on episode 51 of Pixel Guide In. It's a 16-bit shmup off. The boys catch up on a lot of games. What is a twister board, Eric? Tim goes monitor happy. Cody gets caught up in the spectrum. We all do a little pie computing. Our worst game show yet. Cody talks Sega memories. And would you believe we try a light beer? back episode 51 how are you doing cody how you feeling you know what eric i'm feeling so good about episode 51 for some reason we had no gusto and excitement over our last episode which was our good round 50 yeah we just completely (laughs) just completely uh forgot about it yeah you know we recorded it but we didn't really give it any give it any uh acknowledgement i i accept that our first episode was like a pre-episode and we also did like a, a show in the middle there where we just reviewed um, a bunch of Commodore 64 craptastic games. So this is right. really like 49. Our next episode is like 50. That's right. Sort of. <laughs> That's what I'm going to go with. I'm sticking to it. It's January 30th. Nothing particularly exciting to talk about there except that next month is the month of love. Do we have a new president yet? I I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> at, we at just this, don't know. We're recording early here, but in theory, we have a new president today, so that's something. Yeah. Um, well, we're trying we'll, to stay. We'll see. We're I trying to stay politically out of. <laughs> we'll stay out of everything political. So that is something. That and, is correct. Um, and uh, probably time to move on. <laughs> yeah. It's historical. I'll say that. Eric, what time is it though? When it comes to Pixel Guide in. It is quick question time. Quick questions. So, my first question is not my own. It is Tim's, but he is not here to deliver it right now. He'll be on in later in the show. Um, but he asks, "What was the spark that got to you? Got you too, I think. Yeah. What was the spark that got you back into retro gaming?" Was there one game or memory that started off? What was the first system you purchased or got out of storage? Was the biggest sale regrets when you cleared out your old stuff? <laughs> so step one, we need to go ahead and let our counterpart, uh, our cohort, Tim, know what a quick question is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is quick questions. Is is There's like five That's questions right. there, Tim. Come on now, buddy. Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, let's be quick about these answers. How about that? That's cr- yeah. Let's do that. Uh, the, the spark that got me back into retro gaming is—it's funny that he puts it that way. I never got back into it. Um, I don't know if I ever left. Um, yeah. I played from when I was a kid playing the NES. I remember getting my Genesis late after everyone else did. I remember uh, getting a Nintendo 64, which my, was my system in high school, and I went to college and immediately bought a Dreamcast. At which point I started like burning games, and then I learned about. So this is my answer. When I got my Dreamcast, I started burning all those emulators and things. 
Right. And I started learning about shmups, specifically the crazy over-the-top Japanese ones where there's cartoons flying around, explosions and point multipliers that were just just nuts. And I just loved them. So I got went down this rabbit hole of shmups. And when I started going that rabbit hole, um, there's a, a website called shmups. I think it was just called shmups.com or shmups.org. And it listed like all the shmups on all the systems ever made. And so I started like going back and buying the shmups on the Genesis and the Nintendo and wishing I had a Turbo Graphics because I heard there were so many good ones on there, wishing I had a Saturn. Um, so that was probably my turning point when I started going back and buying more retro stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as regrets, I never really sold anything. Uh, however, you will kind of hear later on in this month's episode uh, or installment of Cody's Corner. Uh, there was one system I did sell um, that I, I can ever remember my entire childhood. I, I sold one system, and I do regret it. And you will hear that in just a few short moments here on Cody's Corner. Right on. So all of the systems you listed, you have your originals, pretty much? Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, oh, yeah. I never sold stuff. See, that's amazing. For me, I, got, I, I either gave them to my sisters, like my Commodore 64 or my VIC-20, um, and then I only had an Atari 5200 as a kid. And then I had a Super Nintendo when I was kind of a young adult. I bought that on my own. But I got rid of everything. Everything was yeah. gone. <laughs> and then it was 12 years ago. I decided this is going to sound really stupid, but it's the I, I, it's going to be the honest truth. I was listening to... I can't handle the, the truth. For, I was... Exactly. <laughs> um, I was listening to um, the soundtrack for Tony Hawk. Yeah. Like on PlayStation 1. Yeah. I was listening to it somewhere, but there's a lyric in there from a band called Styles of Beyond. It's like a rap group, an underground rap group. And um, they had a quote in there saying something, something like a Sega Genesis. And that always stuck to me because I like that song, but it always stuck in my head and stuck in my head. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get a Sega Genesis. Why not? It was like 12 years ago. Eric missed his Sega Genesis. Well, I didn't. I never had one. No, oh, that's one. true. Huh? So, <laughs> so I I went and I found one and I modded it for S video even like it was my first mod too, and then I, I caught I caught the bug. I mean, I started getting a bunch of I had like thirty Sega Genesis cartridges that I because back then twelve years ago you can get them for two bucks a piece. Yeah, and I was just finding them everywhere and I was playing them and really enjoying the system and I was like I caught the fever. And so then I went and found it. I was like, I'm going to get a Commodore 64 again. That was my original machine. <laughs> I've got a fever. And, got a com- and the only prescription a is a Commodore 64. The, the rest is history. So literally it was 12 years ago. And in 12 years, I have almost everything. I mean, I can't, there's not that many gaps in my collection anymore. I mean, I have so much stuff. I just got the fever. Oh, we'll find gaps, like, Eric. We'll find gaps. Oh, no, no, no. I know because <laughs> the whole UK thing opened up and now I got to fill in that collection um, we got to so get you a 3DO. We got to get you a CDI. We got to get you a, uh, uh, a Neo Geo home console. We got to, yep. I can keep going. <laughs> All the weird yep. ones. Got to get you. So, a, we got to get you a Jaguar though. Come on now. Well, I do want to get a Jaguar. Got to get a Jaguar. And, yeah, for sure. Um, but oh, sorry, the, the sorry, Tim. Jaguar. <laughs> right. <laughs> The second part here is biggest sale regrets when you clear out your old stuff. And that's easy for me. I don't sell anything. I got everything. Well, not I, anymore, I really, but you really, did. I'm sorry? Not anymore, but you said you did. With the VIC-20 and your Commodore, you gave it all away. I gave it all to my sister, but I didn't sell it. Yeah, I gave and I have no... I mean, I don't really have... I mean, I guess I regret that because they thrashed it and it ended up just getting thrown away. Yeah. 
And I had boxes of discs, like boxes and boxes of discs that I'd collected for the 64. Um, I don't know if I'd, I'd say I regret it, but, um, and then my Super Nintendo and stuff like that just got lost in moves. I never sold it. I never got rid of it. They yeah. just got lost over time. So anyway, what about you? Well, I, already, I, I already did mine. Uh, there were, oh. I don't really have a regret except for that one system I sold, which I'll talk about later in Cody's Corner. Oh, uh, you're not giving that away. Okay. Nope, not going to give that one away. But um, I have a quick so question what? for you, and that is uh, when you start up a new game, Eric, Yep. what is your goal with that new game? Also, like, as in, like, what are you hoping to get out of it? What are you hoping for? It's kind of yeah. a weird esoteric question, I know, but... It is, but I mean, at the at the core of it is kind of explains my whole um, psyche when it comes to games. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of time to game to game anymore. So the time that I do have, I need the game to capture me really quickly. So I guess what I'm looking for in a new game, what the goal is, is to immediately see if it's a game that I want to invest time in. And if it's not, I just don't, I don't invest time in it. I just move on to the next thing because I just don't have time to waste on bad games or games that I don't understand or can't play well. So the goal really for me is immediately like, does it catch me? Is it something fun I want to play? And if it is, then I want to sink as much time into it as I possibly can. Um, And then I, and then from that point, um, I'm just hoping that the game, um, that that it doesn't get repetitive. The rep- repetition is the killer component of a game to me. Yeah. Like if it gets really repetitive and it's the same old thing, then I just don't want to deal with it anymore. Like 80 plus hour RPGs. Yep. Well, the fun- <laughs> so you you know the one of my favorite games that I played on the Switch recently was uh that uh Yee's game, the oh, Lacrimosa. Yeah, I love Yee's. Yeah. Um but the problem is and listen, I got a good 20 25 hours into it which is a lot of time and I had a lot of fun, but turn towards the end of there, it just started to get repetitive. See, I've and loved, so I didn't I've loved re- every minute of every the, game I've played on those. Yeah. I lost the desire immediately to beat the game and I, I doubt I will ever go back and beat it, but I had fun. I mean, 20, if you get 25 good hours out of a game, that's pretty good. So, see, that's funny. So it's a little different than I thought. I thought you were going to say you were just looking for, to enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, for small bursts and as soon as yep. it, yeah which kind of is what you said so it is. my answer is when i start up a new game my goal is to find a game that i click with enough where i can delve in t- until i beat it okay like i want it's, it's similar to yours but the goal ultimately is to beat it if i put 25 hours into the game and i know i'm within spitting different distance of the end yeah i'm gonna beat it like i want i don't need anybody else to to see it i don't need an achievement to show people right but i want to beat it and just know in my mind that completed see i will cut bait if if it if it gets repetitive and i'm not having that much fun anymore i will just cut bait and and deal with my losses i don't mind if i put that much time into it and i know percentage wise i'm most of the way there i can't do that i cannot and i can also not bring myself to start a new game until i finish that one um but to me it's it honestly it is worth it because when i finish it i just feel like a, uh, I'm stoked. I feel complete. I feel um, there's a rush to finishing that and seeing the credits and going ah. No, I um, love I love beating games. It just doesn't happen very often. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. Uh, yeah. Which is why I want to do more, a better job of researching games ahead of time before I start them to realize right. how long they are. Because sometimes games will surprise you. You'd be like, oh, this will be a fun little eight hour game or whatever. You find out yeah. later it's like forty, and I'm like, oh shoot. 
Uh, yeah. I've already put I've already put ten hours into it. What do I do now? And I'm just torn. That really kills me because that's right. that that's that yellow light zone. Do I stop or do I step on the gas? I don't know what to do. Yeah, we're going to talk about Soul Force uh, up here and catching up. So I don't want to talk too much about it right now. But that's a game that I'm hoping that I can get to the end because I'm I've gotten pretty far right now, but I haven't finished it. Oh wow, though, nice. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, later on in this episode, again, you will hear Cody's Corner, in which I talk about some memories I have from the past, uh, specifically about a certain 8-bit Sega product, um, which wasn't terribly popular here in the U.S. Uh, Tim's going to join us just a second, and, uh, we are going to not only catch up, but have a game show, which we love to do. Yeah. And then at the very end of the episode, Eric, we are going to battle some systems and which games are we playing this month it was a, a great month two sh- shmups or shoot 'em ups whatever you whichever term you prefer but really both top-notch horizontal shooters one is apidia which is on the amiga and the other one is in sector x on the sega mega drive slash genesis both are, like i said are horizontal and both are insect based insect that's my insect voice Insect, nice. Eric, insect. Now make it Tim, but insect. Go. <laughs> uh, I don't, I really don't know how to do that. Insect. <laughs> I, I just get like gentler. Is that is that offensive? <laughs> insect. A, a gentler insect. <laughs> gentler insect. Um. All right, Eric. Well, let's go ahead and let the viewers know how they can get a hold of us. So, if you want to find show information, you're going to go to pixelguiden.com. If you want to reach us on Twitter, you can reach me, Eric Nelson, at the project duh project you can reach the show at at pixel underscore gaiden you can reach cody at at oddball which is oddba1149 you can reach tim at sanction at s-a-n-x-i-o-n please review us on apple podcasts or whatever podcast catcher that you use that would be really helpful for us and if you want to email us you can email at podcast at pixelguiden.com and we do encourage feedback we also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there. Um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. And this month, we have for you a fairy tale. This is a recording of Pixel Guidenia, a golden book story as read by Cody Hoffman. When you hear the chime, please turn the page. A long time ago, in a land not too far from here, there lived an exuberant little mouse named Mitsuyama. One day, while he was working in his front garden, two crows came along. A very ludicrous one named Anthony Stiller, and a very inquisitive one named Ramoke Ramoke. Well, the little mouse knew that no good could come of this, so he went inside and called up three of its good friends. A mighty mole named Maciej Sosnowski, a funny little gerbil named Paradroid, 
and a tired hamster named Team Gray all the way. Well, the three friends rushed right over, and they scared those crows away. To keep this from happening again, they built three scarecrows together. The first one looked very venomous, so they named it Mr. Toast. The second one was a little sloppy. They named it David Modelak. And finally, they created a disastrous one named Eric Sandgren. After a good night's sleep, the little mouse decided to head up to his parents' house. It would be quite an adventure to get there, so he headed down to the creek. When he got there, he saw three more of his friends. A drunk toad named 10-Minute Mega Retrocast. A foolish frog called David Vincent. And a rampant tadpole who went by the name Daniel James. The three friends fashioned a small boat made out of a leaf and some twigs, and the little mouse headed out on his way. While cruising down the creek, two dragonflies came to visit. An outstanding purple one named Josh Malone, and a smoggy yellow one called Matthew Ackerman. Excuse me, said the little mouse. Do you know where my parents' house is? Apparently that mouse was quite dumb. The dragonflies pointed the way and the mouse continued on his journey. After a long while, the ground turned to sand and the lush green foliage gave way to open sea air. The mouse came upon two crabs, a steady hermit crab named Gary Heather and a draconian sand crab who called himself Dustin Newell. Have you seen my parents? said the little mouse. Are you stupid or something? said the crabs. You've gone way too far. Once you passed this anonymous Roy Fielding's house, you should have turned back. The little mouse was crestfallen, and he wept, and he wept. Just then, a panicky seagull named Henrik Lofel swooped down and grabbed that little mouse. He flew off with his maw crunching on bone, his beak tearing at flesh until he happily swallowed that mouse whole. Just one blue shoe was left behind on the sandy beach. The end. Thank you, patrons. Thank you. And my dearest... Yeah, it's a, it, 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 I still am so humbled by um, our uh, Patreon subscribers. And I did want to reiterate, if you aren't in our Discord, please join us there. We have so many great conversations, and, and all the Amigos people are in there. Uh, please let me know, and, and I'll get you an invite right away. And I also want to reiterate that as much as we, um, I personally have fun making these uh, little patron uh, segments here, it yeah. is truly random. So if you're not happy with the adjective you received, my apologies, <laughs> but the internet don't lie. All right. That's right. Um, so you just wait till next month and it'll be a different adjective. <laughs> There's a few that when I see them, I'm like, no, I'm not going to call one of my patrons an idiot. All right. Yeah. Sometimes when I when I've read them in the past, I was like, oh, that's not true. I do edit them slightly <laughs> because I don't want to just downright say the, uh, the right. devilish. Um, anyways, nonetheless, Eric, it's time for us to drink a couple of beers. Yep. Um, Let's go ahead and see what we're drinking today. You provided this next one. 
Yeah, but I told you that in the month of January, I was providing two beers. One was good and one was questionable. I think you told I, me so that. I don't know. You told me that off off air, but I'm pretty sure we had the good <laughs> one last episode, which means I'm breaking. I'm breaking the fourth wall. Is that what they say? <laughs> but anyway, this one is called. This one's questionable. It, it's it's good. It's good. It's just yeah, I, I am worried you, if you'll like it or not. Right. It is by Two Pitchers Brewing. It is called Nordic Whew. Jam. <laughs> yeah, I'm pouring Nordic it. Jam. This is a lager with Nordic fruits, 5.2% alcoholic volume. Um, it basically says, we've packed this lager with cherries, elderberries, and strawberries, all staples of a Viking warrior's diet. <laughs> That's what we are. To create a downright delicious party in a can. Jam on, friends. My goodness. I feel like a Viking right now, Eric. Just smelling so this I'm going to pour mine. You go ahead. You go ahead and sip. I'm going to pour mine right into the mic there. All right, let me go ahead and take a sip of this bad boy. The smell right away is um, fruity, but it, <laughs> but it, it's um, it really smells like berries. It's it's got a very berry smell to it. So this is um, this is definitely not going to be a beer's beer. <laughs> it's, it, oh, I'm hoping for a good beverage. You know, you know, um, on Easter when mm-hmm. you're hoping when you get a bunch of when you're a kid. Uh, and, and if you're adult, you get a bunch of yeah. those bags of Skittles, and you're hoping right. for the standard flavors, and you get like the berry mashup flavors, the really weird pastel colored yeah, ones. Or, that's what yeah. I'm smelling right now. I'm smelling like yeah. all berry Skittles, the elderberries. Let's t- let's uh, your father smells like elderberries. Hmm. What do you, what do you think? I'm hearing a whole bunch of mouth noises from us. That's disturbing me first, first and foremost. No, I will give it away. I did have one of these um, before. Um, it was probably like like a week ago. Um, All right. If if you give me a blind taste test, yeah, didn't tell me that this was beer. Yeah, and made sure that there was no head on the beer, so I didn't know it was beer. Right. This tastes like something that should say Dole on the front, like Dole, like, like Dole, Dole fruit juice, tutti frutti, fresh and fruity fruit drink. From concentrate, eighty percent apple juice. Yeah, it almost tastes oh like my gosh. A, like an elderberry Jolly Rancher. <laughs> it is very sweet. It is it is really incredibly sweet. Not I I'm I would never I would not say not never I would not say that this is bad beverage though. It's as a beverage. If you can again break away from the fact that this is not beer. Um. It's a lager. It's not a. I mean, I, I mean, technically, I guess it is, but my goodness, it does not taste like one. Uh, is this going to be one you're going to be able to finish? That's my only question. It's funny because uh, so my, um, I guess you would call him for back or lack of a better term, I guess brother-in-law, something like that. Well, um, he either he either is or isn't your brother-in-law. He's my wife's sister's <laughs> husband. My wife's sister's husband. That's a brother-in-law once removed. Well, okay, there you go. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Her- <laughs> Thank you, Heritage.com. Uh, <laughs> I made that up. I don't know. <laughs> you had me sold. I don't know. I'm so bad at that. <laughs> I, might, I might be right. I might be wrong. Who knows? <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> um, anyways, he's Swedish. And okay. They have yeah. this... I'll, I'll, I'm just going to out him right now. They have this community. It looks like... A, if you've ever seen um, a Dirty Dancing movie from yeah. the 80s where they go to like the jewish like uh summer camp where they like the families all like, it's that but with swedish people 
Okay. And you have to have like proof of Swedish blood to to go there, or okay. or be a friend of the family, which we were, and we went. Anyways, yeah. <clears throat> and they have a bar set up there where everyone just gets blitzed every night. Yeah. And what Sounds I love, amazing. Yeah, it actually is a lot of fun. And uh, they drank this stuff. Um, oh, it's going to kill me to not know the name of it. It's alcohol. It's very. It's a Swedish alcohol, and it is called. Eric, it's escaping me. Rumspringer? That sounds good. No, I don't uh, know what that is. I will look it up. But anyways, they yell right before you drink. You yell skull. Yeah. And it says that on the back of the can right here. S K O L, which is I know they're Swedish. This is uh, Nordic, which I guess covers kind of that region. But right, it says skull on the can. So I appreciate that. But this is a fruity, fruity, fresh, fresh and fruity beer. Um, what's our so rating my- system on this? My rating system, because it's Viking, I'm going to, um, we're going to rate this out of 600 horny helmets. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> out of 600 horny, horny helmets. helmets. Um, I'm typing Swedish alcohol in here. We need people. Oh, that's what Aquavit. It's called Aquavit. Okay. And it is like, it is harsh stuff. It's, I guess the, uh, the literal translation is burn wine. It is, it is wine that burns. Yeah. Um, all right. 600? 6,000. Oh, 6,000, because 6, Vikings. 6,000 horny helmets. Out of 6,000 horny helmets. I'm going to have to give this two ratings. I'm going to have to give it a beer rating and a beverage rating. Oh, man. For, for a beer rating, I can tell you right now, I'm going to uh, give this like 100 this, out of 6,000. Yeah, I'm literally going to give this, uh, I'll, I'll be very specific, 1,262 out of 6,000 <laughs> as a beer. Fair enough, but what about a beverage? Because I, I, I gotta tell you, I don't hate this as a beverage. It's, it's just you have to like take a corner off your man card to to admit that you like this. Fair enough. Fair enough. As a juice, I'll sure. give it. I'll give it. I'll give it four thousand out of six thousand. That's pretty good. I, I, I would. Czar. Uh... Like during the summer, I think I could really enjoy this. Um, I'm going to give it 4,200. Right. I got like a list a little bit more than you do. And it's called Nordic jam. It really does taste like jam. It's got like a it, jammy. It really does. It tastes like jam. It tastes like elderberry jam. What I, what I would imagine elderberry jam would taste like. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, the time has come, Eric, to listen to myself talk some more in Cody's corner. And then right when we're done, uh, we will come back magically with our buddy, Tim, on the right phone on. to discuss what we've been up to these past 30 days. Catching up. Cody Corner! Hello, hello, and welcome to this month's edition of Cody's Corner. You know, I wanted to um, change it up a little bit and try something new again. Uh, I've been listening to some of the other shows on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network. And I've noticed a lot of the guys do a good job of spinning a yarn, describing some of their historical, nostalgic uh, histories in the retro video game world. People really eat that stuff up, including myself. And I've always just thought that if I were to talk about that kind of stuff, people would find it rather boring. But I'm going to go ahead and give it a shot. So I was thinking specifically... Now that we're on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network, we have kind of a newer audience that is much more European-heavy compared to our historically North American-heavy audience. 
So there's one thing I wanted to touch on, and I've alluded to some of this. I might be repeating myself a little bit from from past episodes, but I wanted to talk about my history with the Sega Master System, which of course was in America not much of a competitor, but I guess the only kind of competitor to the Nintendo Entertainment System. Whereas in Europe, um, specifically in the UK, it was the predominant console gaming system uh, of the time, which is very different from our, our history here in America. So my recollection growing up um, was that I had exactly one friend who I found out later in life had a Sega Master System. Um, of course, I had the NES and everyone I knew had an NES. Uh, those who did not have an NES had an old Atari 2600 laying around that they barely used, but that's because their parents had it before they were kind of grown up. And we had, you know, trade Mega Man passcodes on the uh, playground or go rent games in the store because that's what you saw in the store was NES games to be rented. That's actually a funny little side tangent there. We had a place by us in El Dorado Hills, California, where I grew up, grew up called steamers and they were a coffee shop kind of in an old like re-renovated strip mall kind of a place they also sold comics in there and they were a movie rental place and a bunch of other things i'm sure i don't remember but those are the things i remember it was this funny little amalgamation of all these different businesses shoved into one and we'd go there and look at all the comics and read for them read them and never pay for them and then rent video games but I just I thought that was interesting. But you only saw NES games there. You never saw anything else. So I again I had this one friend. Um, you know my friends and I were playing Mega Man and Ninja Turtles and the Mario games and kind of these major franchises. And this friend had an NES and would go over there and hang out and do other things, of course. But when we'd play video games, he'd pull out his Nintendo and we'd play kind of. Uh, C-tier games on the Nintendo that I, no one else had because uh, we bought the bigger ones that everyone knew about. So we had ended up playing games like Tiger Hel- uh, Tiger Heli, uh, the Thrilla Gorilla game where you're like a surfing gorilla. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. And he didn't have a whole lot of games for the NES at that point, but those were what we played. Oh, definitely Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. That's That would be the big one we played a ton with uh, with him. And I specifically remember that was Nicholas Johnson was the kid's name. And when we got tired of playing those, you know, four or five games he had, well, he had this other system. And I never knew what it was. I remember being black and angular and had red on it, maroon. And he wanted to impress us, first of all, by showing that if he had no game in it, he turned it on. There was this crappy little maze game where you were a snail and you literally just go through mazes. And... At first, I thought, how cool, a game built into the system, but I never thought much more of it because the game was terrible. Um, And then we ended up playing, plugging in some games, and honestly, I couldn't to this day tell you what games we actually played on that thing. I just know that the Snail Maze game was more interesting to me than anything else he had to offer. (laughs) Um, So I think we saw that literally all of about 30 minutes, and that was my entire childhood up to that point. Uh with the Sega Master System. And at that point, I didn't even know what it was. Again, I didn't know it was Sega. In fact, I probably never heard the name Sega until the Genesis came out. So, fast forward to then, I've always been late getting to systems. 
Um, I've never been, well, my parents were never one to buy something when it was new. It was wait until it's a few years old, goes on sale. And I do that to this day. So to me, the Sega was the Genesis. So I remember one year, uh, at this point, I was getting allowances and saving up money or getting Christmas money or whatever. And I'm looking through the Sears catalog, which, you know, you'd get this gigantic, uh, three, 400 page catalog, which I wish to this day that we could still get those. They were so much fun to go through and highlight things. And I saw this one page that showed this weird rounded system I'd never seen before. And it was called the Sega Master System. Now, I say rounded, and we'll get to that in a second. But from this point of view uh, of me being young, I'm looking at this system I've never seen before, know nothing about it. It's got a bunch of games available for it, which are also only like $15 each. And it was uh, on crazy blowout price for 40 I think it was thirty nine ninety nine. And I'm like, oh, I have to have that. Like, that looks so cool. I know nothing about it, but whatever. I, I, I was one to take a gamble. I was one to spend uh, as few dollars on possible and get as much physical material as possible. So I uh, told my mom, hey, can you order that for me? I'm paying for it. And she's like, are you sure? Do you even know what it is? I'm like, nope, but I want it. Uh, so I got it. Uh, you know, a week, week later or so. And I couldn't wait to play this thing. And I remember buying it because it had a game built in. And now at this point, it did not click to me that this was the same system that Nicholas Johnson had when we were kids, um, which probably would have been like five years prior to this at this point. Um, but I remember turning it on for the first time with no game in it because I didn't have any games with it and uploaded Alex Kidd in Miracle World. And I thought it was actually a pretty cool game. I, I felt like I struck gold with this little bargain. Um, I remember it, it, it wasn't as good as the Nintendo games I was familiar with, at least the way it controlled. It had a different feel to it. But I ended up playing the heck out of that game. Problem is, when I got to the uh, Jenkin matches, they called it, which were like rock, paper, scissors, I could never figure out how to get past those guys. I uh, wish I had known now. Uh, then what I know now, which is that you have to memorize them and write them down, and they do the same thing every time, which for some reason didn't click with me. So I had a hard time getting too far in the game because I'd always get to those luck challenges. But nonetheless, I uh, did some more research, looking at Sears catalog some more, and found out, you know, this is called the Sega Master System uh, 2, whatever that meant to me. And what it was was the Master System, but cost-reduced, in this, in my opinion, better-looking rounded package, uh, but it was cost-reduced because it did not have a light for the power button. You had to slide the on switch on, and a little red piece of um, tape was underneath that showed to show that it was on. Um, but I loved to have the little flap that could close over your cartridge. I just thought aesthetically it looked cooler, and I wanted to get more games for it, uh, which kind of kicks into my second memory of the system which is probably not as good as the first, but I had a place down the down the way from us uh, in a, the next neighboring city called Folsom, California. And they had a company called Toy Liquidators. It was in a, uh, what do you call those, a discount mall, a discount outlet, the outlet stores. And, you know, of course, whenever we went to that, the outlet mall, my mom would want to go to all these boring stores with clothes and like old kitchenware and just lame things, and I'd sit there for, you know, an hour or two just waiting to get to the toy liquidators. And if I made it all the way through, I'd go to toy liquidators, and they had, it's basically KB Toy Stores 
rejected items that were no longer going to sell in the stores, so they they liquidated them. They sold them for much less at this place, which I didn't know at the time that's what it was, but that's what it was. And they had some Master System games there. And I remember one time I bought, I think, a couple of these. And I don't recall exactly which ones I got in which order, but I do remember I had Cloudmaster, which was this, like, uh, side-scrolling shmup where you're a boy on a cloud that throws, like, ball balls of fire at, like, just weird Japanese things, like bowls of cereal that came at you and things like that. I also remember, like, birds with people, like, human heads on them flying at you. And I did play this a little while back to check in on it. It's an okay game, not great. It actually came out uh, remastered on the, the Nintendo Switch store recently, which is interesting. I also remember getting Captain Silver, which is like this platforming action um, swashbuckling pirate adventure thing where uh, controls were not great. It was not a great game by any means. And it kind of started to sour me on this new system I got. So I needed more games. And um, this was probably now a month or two later and it dawned on me, hey, I've got more allowance now. Those games were only like five, ten bucks at Toy Liquidators. I need to go get one. So it, this is like morning time. My dad's about to go to work. And for whatever reason, I've never done this before or since my childhood. I felt entitled to spend my money then and there. And I told my dad, we're going to the toy liquidators and I need to buy some games. And he's like, oh, no, I'm going to work right now. I need to go to work. And I think I threw a fit and I cried. And I can't imagine what kind of terror I was. I, I can't. This is so out of character for me back then. It's so weird that I did this. But... I did, and I remember hitting, him getting so frustrated. He said, fine, get in the car. And it takes, like, 20 minutes to get to this place and 20 minutes back. And, of course, I was there, like, looking at the games. I don't make decisions quickly. Uh, not Needless to say, when he dropped me off at home, he was so angry. And I remember offering him, like, a t- dollar or two to help pay for his time as if that would do anything. <laughs> but I came back with uh, another game, and... Lo and behold, it was also terrible, but it was a game called Kenishiden or Kenisite. I don't know how to... Kenisiden? And it was like the samurai game. Um, it actually felt kind of like the Captain Silver game. It was this action game. Looked cool on the box, had a cool box. Um, and I played some of that for a while. And on all in all, was kind of disappointed by it. But those honestly were my memories of this system. It was always um, unpopular. The games that were on it were never ones I've heard of anywhere else, although I know now there were some. And when I was growing up, there's one weird kid that had weird games on it, and then eventually I bought a discounted one that had some weird games on it. And the one saving grace really was Alex Kidd. And that's really my one you know, fondest memory of it. That and just the form factor I loved. Uh, unfortunately... Uh, when I was older and that had purchased a Sega Genesis at this point, it finally dawned on me at this point, I believe, that that original uh, device I played on, Nicholas Johnson's house, was in fact the same machine I am playing on now, which I think it took me way too long to make that connection. <laughs> um, but I ended up trading this to one of my buddies for some stupid thing, which I'm sure is gone at this point. Um, I remember him specifically telling me some lie. He liked to do that sometimes, and looking back on it, I don't understand why, but he tried to tell me that he had 
this like device that he bought for his Atari 2600 that could play Sega Master System games on it. And I just believed it for whatever reason, as kids do. Like, there's always some kids that enjoy just making stuff up and people believe it. Because why wouldn't I believe it? Why would you tell me that? What's the point if, he, if it's not true? But I believed it. And, uh, but eventually he ended up trading me, uh, something, I think a bunch of Goosebumps books. If you remember those R.L. Stein Goosebumps books for my Master System 2. And, uh, I, I do want to get one of those back again. Uh, it is on my short list of, of things to, to purchase. Um, and that was pretty much my history. And I think my history is very similar to a lot of kids in America. Most kids did not even see one, or if they did, it was some kind of weird sideshow thing they did once, and that was it. The Master System just really didn't exist over here. Um, but I've grown to love it and some of the games on it now. And I purchased a new Master System, of course, but the original one, which is why I still need its uh, counterpart, the number two remake, to just kind of feel complete again. I hope you've enjoyed uh, my look at the Master System here in America and how I grew up with it. And uh, who knows, maybe I'll find something else to wax nostalgic about in the future. All right, and we are back here. However, we have attached a third member. <laughs> yes, we I do. I am now attached. Hello, everybody <laughs> out there in podcast land. Greetings uh, and good morning slash evening slash whatever time it may be of your yes your time of day greetings for your time of day and salutations i love how you come on super robotic at the beginning (laughs) hello and yes welcome americans (laughs) well tim has joined us which means we are good to finish out the show um tim it is worth noting that you hyped us up for episode 50 on on the social medias i did and Eric and I remembered uh, after finishing the episode that it was a special episode 50. Oh, yeah. We didn't mention it at all. We didn't we mention did it was nothing. special in any way. <laughs> you, you even got it in the notes, Cody. Episode 50 right at the top. Right at the top of the show. That's right. And we hadn't even begun drinking yet. I mean, you know, I mean now we're into it, but it's like, no. The notes, it, the notes go out the window, you know. We, we kind of ad-lib this thing. It's kind of a, uh, it's a living, breathing document we're working with here. Well, let's let's have a celebration for episode fifty-one. Let's hear it for right. Well done, guys. Good right. work. Well, thank you for keeping us on fifty-one episodes. Yeah, thank you for keeping us on on track there, Tim, because we are oblivious to our own um, whatever. That you don't is. believe your own hype, do you? That's the problem. There we go. <laughs> hey, guys, know what I prepared for you? I think oh. it could be a game show. You nailed the post on that one, Tim. I've got my sound effects going here. We are a go. This game show is not cooperative because I like sibling rivalry. Nice. And I want an Eric versus Tim uh, battle of the allies. Let's go here. I have seven questions here. They are random in nature. I have created most all of them myself and only stole a couple of them. You will need pen, you will need paper, and if you listeners are playing along, then, uh, there you go. They've got their pen and paper. 
a few listeners are listening along, um, I'm sure you'll do better than these two fools. <laughs> you will. <laughs> and we have a podcast, but you'll still do better than us. You yeah, know, we, whatever. We, we have a license to broadcast. You don't. So we, <laughs> we will do better than you because we are broadcasting. We are king. All it takes to get a license is to forget when you have special anniversary episodes. Exactly. <laughs> All right. The first couple here are Name the Fake Games. Dum, dum. I have a number of games here. One of them is fake. The first category is Nintendo Entertainment System Games. That's right, the original NES. Don't forget to answer Burger Time at the end of every one. That, that is Tim's advice. All right, which one of these games is not a real game? Ralph Attack Dog. Big Nose Freaks Out. Princess Tomato in the Salad Kingdom or Astrofang Super Machine. I will give you a few more sec Do you need to hear it again or do you wanna Please, just one more time. Ralph Attack Dog. Okay. Big Nose Freaks Out. Princess Tomato in the Salad Kingdom. Astrofang Super Machine. I'm ready. You better be ready because time is up in making my own sound effects now all right hold them up boys let me see what you want you wrote wrote them down what do you got eric what are you going with ralph attack dog he thinks ralph attack dog is a fake tim you think princess Princess or tomato as i say over here tomato well it's fake game because i said it wrong princess tomato in the salad kingdom tim is a real nes game i've played it Eric's played it. Oh my goodness gracious. Eric, that means you are actually correct. You have one point. Ralph Attack Dog is not a real NES game. Yay! Oh my god, I got one. Woo! I didn't know about the other ones, to be honest. I just guessed. But I did play the the tomato one. Now, to be fair, that's a rather American-centric question, because it was not big over there. Am I right, Tim? Uh, well, the NES wasn't big over here, full stop. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Random games would have never have happened. Well, now we're going to try to get a uh, lean one Tim's direction because now we're doing the same thing, but with 3DO games. Okay. Which, which I, I know the 3DO is a huge hit in England, right? I don't know anything <laughs> about the 3DO or the games. So I saw the grand total of one of those consoles <laughs> in the day, which is probably more than a lot of people, to be fair. But you the first time I ever t- played one was at, at uh, Cody's house just the other day. <laughs> Well, to be fair, Tim owns like five games, so he's got a leg up on you, Eric. So, <laughs> right, no five system, no but console. Five, ga- <laughs> five games. All right, come on. Here's bring it on. Three three games that sound like schlocky '80s movies, but they are in fact 3DO games. Except one of them is actually not. Is the fake game Escape from Monster Manor, Slaughter Party, or Psychic Detective? <laughs> I'm sorry, that is incorrect, Eric. Yeah, well, can you can you <laughs> can you say those again? Escape from Monster Manor, Slaughter Party, Psychic Detective. You have three seconds to comply. Dang it! If I could spell psychic, <laughs> let's see. Oh, yeah, Eric, gave, Eric's giving it away here. I'm just gonna say it. I'm not even gonna write it down. Psychic Detective. <laughs> Can you please put it up so I can tell people how you spelt it wrong? I, I just put a P. <laughs> I put a P there. For well, you started with the right letter. Yeah. That's good. All right, yeah. Eric's got his. Tim is still writing, so he's a cheater. I'm going to go chose. with Escape from Monster Manor because 
I've, that game rings a bell, but I think the title might be slightly different, or you might have just gone for something that sounds relatively plausible and just changed one word. Sounds like a Vic Twenty text adventure. I, I really, I rather like the uh, the mental games that Tim's working with here, and I appreciate that. However, both games that you guys mentioned are indeed real games. I apologize. <laughs> The fake game was Slaughter Party, which is a game I would love to play, but is not an actual thing. Oh, so we both missed it. Yeah. Yeah. What I was going with was, uh, what's that um, What's that game that got the big uproar? Uh, Night Trap? See, Night, Night Trap. Trap. Yeah. I was going for that vibe with Slaughter Party, but hey. All right. Question number three. At this point, Eric, I think you have a point, and Tim is dead zero. Um... In the in the uh, in the early days of video games, Tim, you're looking right into my soul here, buddy. You're looking right. <laughs> <laughs> Move those eyebrows like no <laughs> I can't read the question. <laughs> I'm gonna cover you. All right, uh, golf games with actual golf celebrities were very popular on video game systems. Which one of these golf games was not a real game? On the NES, Lee Trevino's Fighting Golf. <laughs> On the PC, 36 Great Holes starring Fred Couples. <laughs> or on the 32X, Tom Kite's Pro Tour Golf. <laughs> Eric's trying not to laugh. It's not my fault. It's not my fault that Fred Couples has 36 great holes, guys. It is what it is. Yeah. It's a lot of holes. All right. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you got here. I think I watched a movie called that once. If you want to just pick the, the name, you don't have to write the whole name of the game. But the, the... I'm, I'm just get, I think I'm going to get a big fat zero here, but um, I'm going to go with Lee Trevino's. Lee Trevino's Fighting Golf. Eric. I'm going to do 36 great holes. Ah, oh, guys, those are both real games. I am sorry. Aww. I couldn't remember if that Lee Trevino's game was that Simpsons game. That was, was a fake one. Exactly. That was the first thing that came into my head. As soon as Cody said this, is just that Simpsons scene where he's just... <laughs> That's a real game, Lee Trevino's Fighting Golf. And as a kid... I had no idea who Lee Trevino was, but the game sounded awesome, and then I found out it was an actual, like, regular boring golf game. Yeah, I know he's uh, definitely a golfer, but I... Uh, yeah. Wasn't he Lee... Was, was Lee Trevino the character that they featured in Simpsons on that game? I'm sure there was, wasn't he? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't, was, I don't know enough great, about The Simpsons, to be honest. Segment. All right, question number four, boys. And this one I'm only going to give you five seconds to answer, because if you think long and hard... It's too easy. Okay. Um, I, I feel you're, you're... So, it's like Medusa over here. Tim is staring deep through the internets into my eyes and turning me to stone. All right. In the history of Nintendo, only one Nintendo game actually cast Mario as a villain. What game is it? Five, four, three, two, one... Show me those answers. I thought that's as much time as you get on this one. Otherwise, you'll you'll figure it out. All right. I'm going to trust that you're... Tim went with Dr. Mario. I appreciate the confidence. Let's see, the, Eric, what do you got there, buddy? I, I don't think my answer's right. I'm not even sure I'm going to show it. I'm embarrassed. But you should. 
I said Donkey Kong. Eric, you were so close. The answer was Donkey Kong Jr., in which you are That's Donkey right. Kong. And Dang Mario it. is getting his revenge at you. I knew it was something like that, but when I wrote it, I was like, no, that's not right, because you play as Mario, and you're trying to save the princess. The Dang answer, the, the score is one to zero. Boys and girls, I suggest you get all of your retro video game podcast information from quality podcasts with hosts that know what they're talking about, just like Pixel Gaiden. Exactly. Question number thinking, five. That's, that's <laughs> me out. I'm done. i got no questions. <laughs> I have no reason to be on this podcast. I've finally been revealed as a complete and utter sham. <laughs> I am a fraud. I am question at, number, yeah. f- question number five. I'm going to give you ten seconds on this one. Spy Hunter, Rampage, mm. Mortal Kombat. Mm. These games were all produced by this game company. Mm. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six. You guys don't even need the time. You're both already done writing. I'm ready. All right, say it at the same time. One, two, three. Bally Midway. I put Midway. Uh, I will give it to both of you guys. You are correct. The answer is Midway. I don't think they were Bally at that point, but congratulations. Ray, I get a point. I'm not (laughs) a complete retro gaming numpty. Two to one, two to one, two to one. We have two questions left, so more than enough time to come back and win this thing, Tim. Or in Pixel Gliden tradition, you will end up tying it and we'll go to to a tiebreaker, which is the best. All right, guys, you knew it was coming. And it can't. Tim, Tim, stop with the stare. It came on question number six. The Intellivision is known for all kinds of great arcade ports. However, there was one arcade port that actually had a sequel on the Intellivision. That game was Burger Time. What is the name of the Burger Time sequel that was exclusive to the Intellivision console? Was it. Food fight, diner, chef, or order up. Food fight, diner, chef, or order up. We've got our answers. All right, let's go ahead and see uh, Eric first this time. Let's see. Eric went with food fight. Tim went with food fight. Boys, you are both wrong. I apologize. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That is a game, but it was not... The sequel to Burger Time, that would be Diner. It was mm. actually an isometric version of Burger Time. I have not yet played, but it looks kind of cool. All right. Last question. Last question. If you can't make it up on this one, Tim, we won't be going to our traditional Pixel Guide and tie. What a shame. And I have a, <laughs> I have a feeling. Well, I don't know. I'm, I, at this point, I'm not even going to make a guess as how, if you're going to get this right or not. This is not a multiple choice question, gentlemen. What is the name of the Nintendo of America CEO right now? CEO of Nintendo of America. And yes, this is an American-centric question, but I think this is worldwide knowledge at this point. Yep. Eric's confident. Eric's confident. Okay, you guys ready? I'm ready. I want to hear it. I don't have the full name, but I know his last name. Bowser. Tim, did you get Bowser? Tim got food fight. Wait, I can't see what you... <laughs> Wait a minute, what? Raise it up. What do you write, Tim? Up, 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 up. I'm trying up, to up. hit up. Up, 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 up. I can't see. I can't read no. it. Oh, I see it. It's to the side there. It's Donald Trump. 
which I oh, I kind of want. I see what you did there. I kind of want to give you the point. Um, he sells steak and university stuff. Uh, Eric, uh, you did get that correct. Thank you. The actual CEO of Nintendo America is indeed Bowser, and that is completely random happenstance, or that so is, I'm told. Yeah. He is from Danville, California, a total of one hour uh, west of us here, Eric. As, yep. soon as, Eric's, uh, as soon as I saw the answer, I thought, drat, he's got it. <laughs> oh, I remembered the last name. I was hoping that was enough. That's enough. I, that's the goofiest thing, honestly. I mean, who, mm-hmm. Whose last name is Bowser, nonetheless? Now, guy who becomes the CEO, of- let alone be the CEO of Nintendo. Crazy. And gentlemen, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm going to have to hold my tiebreaker for another day. That is a round of the game show on Pixel Rider. I want to congratulate you both. I'm happy if you want to give the tiebreaker just to Tim, and if he gets it, then we can we can say this is a good old Canadian tie. You know what, Eric? I like the cut of your jib. Let's go Thank ahead. You. Pixel Gaiden Showtime Overtime or show, Game Show Overtime. This is so, Tim's sudden death. Tim, you know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I out of this a, one. I'm not going to answer. <laughs> Eric is willing to put himself on the line to decide. <laughs> All right. If you get this right, you win all the marbles. If you get this wrong, Eric wins the whole game. <laughs> all right, Medusa, your stare is no longer affecting me. Now, normally, I do these tiebreakers in a way that might seem like I'm biased, and there's no right answer. But with this question, there actually is a correct answer, Tim. All right. So this is a Breaking true fifty pixel guide true fifty fifty question right. <laughs> True tiebreaker here. Ready? Yep. In 1988, now this is kind of American. (laughs) The NBA Finals in 1988, who won? Was it A, the Los Angeles Lakers, or B, the viewers? I'll go with. I, I I don't know anything about NBA, so um, I'll go with the Lakers. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know what, Tim? You it's were so the close. The viewers won. It was an amazing uh, four to three eke out win in the NBA Finals that year, and the Los Angeles Lakers did win, but the viewers were in for a huge treat that that year. So I'm sorry. Yep, yep. That is too bad. Is it sad that my heart literally is racing? Like I'm so like I get so excited by the game show that my heart <laughs> like I might need to have a um, a cigarette. I won, uh, I won with an amazing two points. <laughs> <laughs> Let me point out the next time I am going to do an entirely British centric quiz show. So be warned. <laughs> It is going to be the most quintessential British thing that you could possibly think of. That is but the only, only you know, fair. The only way for that to be fair, Tim, though, is you write the questions, I'll run the game show, that way you can win. <laughs> <laughs> have I actually won one of these game shows? I don't. I can't remember whether I have or not. I, don't, I, don't. I think Absolutely. you have. I think it was a Spice Girls tiebreaker. Oh, right. Absolutely. Okay. A, few, a few times I had to ask Eric uh, the final question, which for some whatever reason, he ended up losing both of those. So. <laughs> That's right. That sounds um, like me. 
Well, this is the part of the show where we simply talk about whatever we've been up to, and we'd like to call it, Tim? Catching up. Catching up with Eric and Cody. And Tim. Well, my first topic, gentlemen, is what I like to do every show and talk about the games I loved so much this month that I actually went ahead and completed them. Um, in our last episode, Eric and I covered six good uh, ninja-themed games. And while doing that, I was able to complete Alex Kidd in Shinobi World, which actually is a really good Master System game. Um, and it's easy, so if you want to play a game to completion and enjoy it in one night, I would suggest Alex Kidd in Shinobi World. It looks super good. I've never played it, but it yeah, looks really good. Do you think that's a game I could even actually complete? <clears throat> I uh, do. I do. I, I don't know your gaming. You know, we've never played together online, Tim. Yeah, I played awful. with Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm a complete sham on this show. <laughs> Can't Not true. Games. I don't know anything about them. How the heck did you bring me on here? <laughs> Purely on your knowledge and your your goodwill charm. Yeah, it couldn't have been uh, the either, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um. The other game I played on the Master System for the show, although we've covered it before, so I couldn't pick it, was The Ninja. Now, yeah. what's interesting What's interesting about this is there was a, a game on the SG-1000, which is the predecessor to the Master System. It was the first, like, Sega console. And there was a game on there, and uh, I apologize if I'm getting the name wrong. I think it was called, like, Lady Ninja. Have you heard of this one? No. No. I and I see I, that in the list of SG stuff that I went through the other day. I want to say it was called, like, Lady Ninja or Girl Ninja. And it was a blast, and I was having a fun time with it. And I'm like, I want to pick this game. And then I realized this plays exactly like The Ninja, which I realized, oh, okay, this is just, like, the VIC-20 to the Commodore 64 version of The Ninja. It really should have just been called, you know, both versions should have had the same name. Um but I would suggest that one as well. Nonetheless, I beat the Ninja for the first time ever uh, when I played it again this month, um, which is a fun short, if you know what you're doing, game, where it's it's almost like Commando, where you just throwing Ninja Stars all over the place and dodging stuff. Did you, have um, you played Back Be- Black Belt on the Master System as well? I did not, no. Yeah, you probably quite like that one. I could check into that guy. Mm. Eric, what have you been playing? So I, I, I grabbed a couple of uh, games on the Nintendo Switch sale. Uh, I grabbed Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 2. And I also grabbed oh, cool. the Warlock of Firetop Mountain, which is what, you, what a game you suggested uh, that we talked about on the show not long ago. Kind of a D&D, 3D kind of game. Um, and I got, I got both of those really cheap on there. I was really looking forward to Curse of the Moon 2, and I played through the first level and I loved it. I thought this was amazing. And then the second level just slapped me in the face with super difficulty curves. Oh, so did you play I, the first curse of the moon? I did not. Oh, okay. Nope. So I played curse of the moon too. And I, I like, I was just like, I was really enjoying it and getting in the groove and then got to level two and just, it just demolished me. And I kind of just lost my, you know my my curiosity of the game, which happens when the dir- when the difficulty curve spikes too hard. So, I'll, I'll try to go back to it, but who knows? I mean, I, I luckily I got it on sale, so it's not a big loss, but it's just kind of disappointing. 
Yeah, I I have the first one physical, but I haven't played it yet. But it's supposed to be you know more ne- more or less a love letter to like the original Castlevanias, which are right N- NES hard. <laughs> Correct. Yep. And this one is is adds even the element of being able to switch characters mid game, and it's got a lot of cool mechanics. But yeah, it, the it, and it wasn't the game like the the combat that was getting difficult. The platforming was getting really difficult. So. Hmm. We'll see. I mean, maybe I just was having a bad day, so we'll see. So, what's the Warlock of Firetop Mountain from? Is that a book? I can't. I can't remember. There was. It was. It was a book, and yeah. it was a really? game first, but based with Steve Jackson, I think. Um, yeah. But it was based on these. Like, I don't want to say choose your own adventure books. That might be wrong, or maybe that's right. I don't remember, but they were based on a series of books. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I did it, not know that. I'm sorry. I th- I did not know that. Yeah, they were based on some books, some very popular books, and they may have been like the choose your own adventure style books, mm. but you <clears throat> basically are going through a dungeon that has this really cool 3D effect where when you take a move forward, the whole world kind of assembles together. So it gives a very cool visual effect. Um, and then as you go forward, when you go into combat, it turns into a tile based turn based combat, which I, I love those kind of games, kind of fire emblem style combat. And, uh, it, it's a, it's a neat little game. I can see that this game could get like, once you beat it or get pretty far in it, there's may not be a lot of replay value. It's not procedurally generated. So you could just run into a a situation where you just don't want to play it anymore because you've seen it already. But it, I mean, it 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 hasn't gone on sale. It went on sale for like a buck ninety nine. So I had it's to like normally it it's normally like thirty it's really bucks. Expensive. Yeah, and it goes on sale for like under two bucks. <laughs> yeah, but normally, because remember we were talking about this, Cody. Normally, I mean, I don't remember how much it was, but it was something kind of silly, like thirty bucks. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, well, I'm not going to pay for it for thirty bucks. I'm just not going to do it. And then I I did the cool thing about the Nintendo eShop is you can do the wish list. And I did the wish list, and boom, I get an email. Hey, this is on sale for a buck ninety nine. Now, is that game? Uh, my understanding, and I've never played a legit game with someone who knew who, what what they were doing of Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons. Is it not yeah. very similar to like playing a tabletop version of? Dun- I mean, like down it's to like the a, dice rolls and everything, right? It's or, a very, very scaled down version of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's and the <clears throat> the tile based turn based. Uh, there's tiles and it's a turn-based combat that's doesn't follow the rules of real Dungeons and Dragons at all. Cause gotcha. in D and D you got to roll for initiative and you roll, you know, and when you, you know, you, there's a bunch of things you have to do within combat to, to resolve that. This doesn't have that at all. So no, it's not really related to D and D too closely. So gotcha. this, this was a book um, okay. by Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston. Um, it was published in 1982, so I think that's why I remember it, because I think it was probably in our schools. Um, yeah. So yeah. It is a fighting fantasy game book in which you become the hero. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Which Tim is always a fan of, becoming the hero. Indeed. Yes. I am the hero. Tim, speaking of um, heroes, can you tell us about this Amiga Bill? <laughs> Indeed, yes. And, and, a, and a personal hero of mine is Amiga Bill, and he adorns this very issue nice. <laughs> of Amiga Addict magazine, the very first issue. Um, so this is, uh, they kind of like did it as a, 
uh, a one-off run, I think, to start off with, and uh, they've quickly moved on to uh, a lot of people have subs- bought it and subscribed it. Um, so they've got issue two coming out pretty soon. Um, w- yeah. Which is weird because I haven't even gotten my issue one yet. I ordered it too. <clears throat> yeah, and it's quite odd because um, uh, Pete, um, uh, you know, uh, Rector Pete on, on Twitter, he yeah. posted uh, yesterday that he ordered his a couple of days ago or something like that, and it, it came through all, already over to the States, which was really surprising because there's just, thanks Brexit, um, there's just a massive backlog of stuff at the moment, um, you know, trying to get through the mail and all that sort of thing. So, you know, he his must have sort of like flown through or something. Um, but, mm. yeah, this is uh, a really nice colourful, glossy magazine. Um, and this is uh, just a, a page. Again, sorry, it's very visual, um, guys and girls out there. Um, but this is a page from the magazine. This is the uh, new Checkmate Mini uh, case oh, wow. that's going to be coming out. That's a Kickstarter I've personally funded myself. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's got uh, lots of articles, reviews, uh, there's lots of people that we know that have sort of like contributed to this. Um, so uh, Ian Pixels at Dawn, uh, part of uh, the ARG family, um, he does. He's involved with this quite a lot. Um, and yeah, it's just really nice magazine. Um, and yeah, there's there's lots of articles and reviews and bits and pieces in there. Um, and uh, an interview with Amiga Bill. Um, who is no, a, no. a big proponent of our show as well, gives us lots of shout outs on, on his stream as well. You get Bill, class act, and he is a, techni- a technical wizard when it comes to this stuff, which we are but baby fawns stumbling over our own feet. Yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> he's very, very good with his, uh, that's, it, that's his profession, isn't it? Cameras and filming and all yep. that sort of stuff. He just does, does some amazing work, um, and his streams are so polished and professional. It's really good stuff. In fact, my family got really into watching Hamlet over and over and over for like a month. And I just, for whatever reason, just musicals don't do it for me. I couldn't get into it. But it was Hamilton, the only thing I kept. It? Hamilton, I'm sorry. Hamilton, yeah. yeah. Hamlet. I was like, Hamlet? Wow. Yeah, I'm right. sorry. See, that shows you how far out of loop I am. But every time they did a close up, and I'm like, hey, I know the guy that does those close ups. Yeah. And he also did. What was it? Uh, the latest Letterman thing that he did on Netflix. Um, and he interviewed, uh, was it Barack Obama? I think it was. Um, and Bill was the cameraman uh, for Barack Obama at the time as well. Yeah, he did, he's done some cool stuff. Yeah. Now, Tim, yeah. you weren't able to join us for the news, but that um, Checkmate mini case is news to me, honestly. It's the first I've heard of it. Can you tell us about that a little bit real quick? Yeah, sure. Um, it's a, a very small form factor um, uh, Checkmate case. Uh, called the 1500 um it's designed really with sort of like raspberry pis in mind um oh. and sort of like mini or, or nux like the next units of computing that sort of thing um but one important thing that it's designed in mind with is the unamiga by edu urana um i believe he is going to be doing a special version uh, just to fit inside that case um so obviously not only can you run the mighty amiga through the unamiga but they've got some uh it's got some new cores 
I think it's just coming out now. I believe um, Aaron from Amigos and Doug have been putting through some of those cores through their paces. So they've got, I think, Spectrum Next and uh, oh, wow. might be Commodore 64 or something like that, some different cores coming through for it. Um, so yeah, that's looking really good. Um, I, it's just funded this, just finished funding this week. Um, and I believe Steve's on target, I think for around about July time, June, July time to get that case out, whether that will hit because of obviously the current situation is another thing, but, um, I know he's pretty far advanced and obviously because he's, um, done the original checkmate case. I'm sure he's got his lines of communication open with everyone now and, you know, um, ready to, ready to go on production of that. So, um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because although I, I've got some big box Amigas, I don't really, I didn't really want the bigger checkmate case, um, mainly because of its size, obviously, because it fits physical stuff in there, the original stuff. Um, but I was really excited to see the mini version. So yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to that one. Very cool. Um, if you if you are interested in it, um, let's have a look. So the yeah, so the Kickstarter started on the eighth of December, twenty twenty, um, and the Kickstarter finished on 9th of January. Uh, for more information, you can go to checkmate fifteen hundred plus dot com. Right on. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here. I've been playing a few. Uh, games pretty regularly on my time here. Um, we've talked about Man Eater. I've played probably 20 more hours of Man Eater. I think I'm eventually going to play through that game. That's the one with the uh, huge shark that uh, eats humans, <laughs> um, which I really enjoy. But the other game I picked up on the Switch that I've poured a bunch of time in, and you know me with my puzzle games. My um, It's funny because I say I hate puzzle games, but then there's like... Uh, Puzzle games like this that I can't get enough of, kind of like Tetris-style puzzle games. This game is called Grindstone. Have you guys heard of this one? No, I haven't. Uh, so it just came out this month, and um, you're this like bizarre. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of we'll relate it to our beer. You're this re- like Nordic beast of a man who just has to slaughter all these little animals, <clears throat> but they're super cutesy, and uh, you're basically trying to find these little paths through these. Um, this checkerboard pattern of all these aliens um, or monsters, whatever they are. Um, the video we're watching is more of a cinematic thing than it is gameplay. Uh, but there's hundreds of levels, and you get power-ups, and you can get upgrade weapons and things, which give you more strategies to, to use. <laughs> but it's basically a puzzle game that I can sit down every night and play two or three puzzles and save my progress. And I, just, I always want a game like that on hand where I'm just picking away at it, uh, kind of mindlessly during my free time. So been loving that. Um, and then the last game that I had put down here I wanted to mention <clears throat> is Ancient Enemy, which is kind of similar in that it's a, a strategic... Uh, it's almost like a, a solitaire game, like a card solitaire game. Um, and now, Eric, I believe that you actually sent me the, the download link for this game when it was in beta. Okay. And I can't find his name anywhere on here, but I think this was um, connected somehow with uh, Roy Storini. Oh, really? Um, I I looked in like a long time ago, like early Twitter communications with you. You did not have a PC that could play games at that point. Right. So uh, you had forwarded this code to me, and I 
finally got around to playing it, and I ate this game up, and I played through the whole thing. Um, wow. It was on Steam, and uh, I'll, I'll get to this a little bit later, but um, I've been watching a lot of old uh, 80s, 90s movies lately. Yeah. So I basically put a, a 90s, 80s like action movie, like schlocky action movie on in my room, and I'll just pick away at this game. And you can see you've got these cards. They kind of look like magic gathering cards um, with numbers on them. And it's basically, it's really like solitaire or kind of like one of those Mahjong games where you're just trying to find pairs and things. Okay. Uh, but it's got RP, RPG elements where you're fighting enemies and trying to work your way through this countryside. And it's kind of like this um, fantasy-based monster-destroying theme over the top of the whole thing. But ultimately, it's a solitaire game um, with animations and cool sound effects and i i played straight through it um over the course of probably uh, every night for like a week uh from great alien games and i played it on steam um Neat. if he's listening i would love to hear if he was involved in this because i couldn't find his name anywhere in the credits or anything but i swear this was a game i think originally it was, went by a different name i think it was called the like ancient alien okay and then maybe it changed names i don't know so i'm hoping he, he can let me know if he was involved or not I'll let you know, because I, I don't... It doesn't ring a bell, but that doesn't... I mean, I can't even remember what I had for lunch yesterday, so... I mean... It was a ham and cheese sandwich. Oh, yeah, I think you might be right. I'll help where I can help. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I'll, I'll ask Roy Storini about it on Twitter and see if he had any involvement in that game. It looks really cool. I've been I've been kind of itching for a new uh, card game, and I found one on, on Switch, but I... I didn't pull the trigger because I just didn't know enough about it and didn't want to waste the money if it wasn't any good. But I've been itching for a new card game because I, I, I love playing those. I love video card games. That's one of those things that just sounds so boring. Yeah. But it's not. Kind of like it's video not. game golf. Yeah. Like, I love it. I can't. I can eat those games up all day long. I'm right? kind of like that with slot machine games on computer. Really? It's like, oh, really? totally <laughs> pointless, but I just get so addicted to those things. I don't know why. I can't are they not called, are the, they not the called? Arcade. I'd never, never touch them in the arcade, but on the computer, I just, I just, every time I see something like Vegas Jackpot or something, I'm just immediately drawn to it and start playing. Interesting. <laughs> there, was, that is um, there was one that was on, uh, when I was doing the, um, uh, the Neo Geo stuff. Uh, recently and there was one on there and i was so bummed out because it didn't work on my on on the emulation and i was like oh, i wonder if i can find a copy of this somewhere i had to go and find it but was it for the neo geo pocket by machine by chance or just the neo geo no it's the neo geo one um i can't remember the title of it now um it's lancer or something that i don't know um but yeah it looks looks really cool um but i i just love that style side sort of thing i don't know why uh, such a geeky little thing, I suppose. But anyway, well, it's funny. We it's funny you mentioned that because I only own about six physical Neo Geo Pocket games, and one of them is a slot machine Vegas game. <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah. Probably, What's it called? You probably eat that up. Don't, don't they call them fruit machines over there? Fruities, yeah, fruit machines, Fru yeah. fruities. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eric, you've been playing some new games. Well, I got for Christmas. I got the Atari Lynx collection. Collection number one. I definitely wanted to get, because I don't have a Lynx, so I wanted to get, instead of buying a Lynx, I wanted to just grab a collection of, of some of the better games, and I haven't had a lot of time to dig into this, but one of the funny things is the first game I tried was, um, there's an Asteroids game on here, 
Uh, it's called Super Asteroids, which we were just talking about adding super, super to everything. But <laughs> one cool thing about this manual, I mean, the manual covers each game and talks about its controls. It's a very great little manual for each of these games. The manuals like, on, oh, on nice. each of those Evercade games are not, they're good. Yeah, they really I mean, are. this has 16 um, or 15 games on it or 14 games, and it it covers every single one of them. And a lot of them look really good, but there's like a Missile Command and Asteroids game, and there's loops. There's a golf that's called Awesome Golf. Um, is it got so I'm, drive on it? Is it the which which is the racing one? The really bad. Um, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't. I don't think this one has. I think that might be in Collection Two or something. Yeah, uh, but this has Crystal Mines too. Um, loops with a Z at the end, cool guy style. <laughs> um, Ishida, which is like a little uh, puzzle kind of tile game. Um, just a ton of little games, but anyway, I'm growing my Evercade collection, so I'm going to jump into this. But I want to get both of those collections. Those are those are a perfect fit in my, for for me and what I have. Yeah, especially since Links was a mobile game. So I mean, this is a nice little cartridge that has mobile style games on it. So uh, speaking of mobile games, Tim, what's Retro Tea Breaks? Retro Tea Bake. So that is a book by uh, Neil <laughs> Thomas. Okay. Sorry, we have, to, we have to point the elephant in the room. What does that have to do with mobile games, Eric? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I appreciate the effort on the transition. I just, I'm sorry. I can't let it fly. <laughs> Take a stab in the dark. <laughs> I thought I, I, that was, it was a valiant attempt. I'll let that one go. But no, I love it. Let it lie, could you? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Eric is mm. normally asleep at this time. Come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. So, yes. Retro Tea Breaks by Neil Thomas, uh, also known as RMC or originally the Retro Man Cave. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, he has produced um, a book based on his uh, episodes of the Retro Tea Break um, that he did on YouTube, which is interviewing... Um, programmers and um alumni from the um uh, gaming industry from obviously back in the day and current um so there are people like um andrew oliver um Stu cambridge um who else have we got in here um doo -doo -doo -doo, uh, Mark Ferrari, Chris Sawyer. Um, there's, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just lots and lots and lots. Um, so he's done Al Lowe, a uh, game, de game developer. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a nice book, and he's basically sort of like explained, uh, gone back and uh, explained and annotated some of the interviews and all that sort of stuff, picked up on the points. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice book. Um, I got that. Uh, got that one for Christmas, so that was good. Um, and also, and this one is quite topical for us at the moment because we are all Acorn BBC owners. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yes. And um, this is Acorn, a world in pixels. So this is a a, a really, really nice... Now, it kind of like looks like one of the, um, I don't know what you say, run-of-the-mill coffee book uh, coffee table books. Um, right. I think this one is personally, it's a bit more in depth. Um, this one goes, it's more, there's, there's lots of nice colorful pictures in the book. Um, I do like pictures, 
but there is a lot of interviews and there's a lot of background from the actual people. Um, so rather than just sort of like, you know, someone's opinion, you know, much like us uh, giving our opinion, these are actual <laughs> interviews from people that back in the day that was involved with the publishing and all that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it's, there's, there's some, it's, it's beautiful. It's nice, glossy color, well designed, well written. Um, I mean, just look at that. So the ultimate play, the game one there for Nightshade. Um, just, just really, really, really nice. Now this, um, artwork that's on the front, um, is, uh, done by, uh, Steve Pickford. Um, and he's okay. recently, um, just produced a, a lovely, a3 print um i think it's around about 25 pounds um off the front cover and i i shall be getting one of those because it is really really nice um, it's like a 3d so, minecraft looking acorn <laughs> with all the characters like bouncing around yeah, on it yeah so it's uh, all the characters on the front and it's the acorn logo um but yeah that is and then there's a little bit of a funny story to that one um i hadn't really seen much of the book um, and just before Christmas, I'd seen a few mentions of it on Twitter. So I, um, sent a hint to my wife to say, Oh, um, uh, maybe, maybe you want to, might, if you've got any, any ideas that you need for me, this, this might be one. And then she just sent back and said, you absolute boop. I've, um, purchased <laughs> that for you already. And that was going to be one of my big surprises and you've just ruined it. <laughs> Aren't we good at that? <laughs> and I, I'd not even thought about it, so so thank you very much, my my lovely wife, for actually taking the time and thinking about it and thinking about something before I even knew I wanted it. So there we go. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Now, pardon me being an idiot. Um, I own a BBC Micro, and I know there is like an, a BBC Acorn or Acorn. But how does what's the relationship there? I know. Acorn I know there is, is one. the company that produced the BBC Micro. Okay. So yeah. when that book says Acorn, it's yeah. a series of computers, including the micro, but Acorn was, wasn't that like a cost reduced version of it that was actually marketed as the Acorn uh, no, Electron, I believe you're thinking of the, well, it basically, it started off with the Acorn Atom, which was okay. the first machine. Um, then they went on to the BBC micro. Of course, you'll remember this if you listen to my BBC Micro segment. If you <laughs> <know>. um, <laughs> so much information so quickly, Tim. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so then uh, they had the BBC Micro. They launched a few different versions of that. So it started off with the BBC A, which was 16K, um, the BBC B, which was 32K. They then did the 64K and they did a 128K version. Um, and then because they were obviously getting pretty pummeled in the games market because it was quite an expensive machine at the time, they produced the Acorn Electron, which you may have seen, which is the sort of like the little cost reduced, the white version. Yeah. What you might be thinking of. Um, yes. I actually don't have an Acorn Electron. Um, uh, but yeah, that's, um, that's sort of like the one that was done for the home market. Um, mostly that was loading off of tape. They did do this weird, uh, plus one interface, which was like a three and a half inch disk drive, which was a big L shaped add on. So it uh, connected at the back and then came round at the side of the Acorn Electron. Um, and yeah, and obviously Acorn is the, the, for the want of a better word, the the start of the ARM processing. Um, they went on to do the Archimedes, which had the RISC-based processor, and that's sort of like the genesis for all of the devices that you've got in your Apple devices and even now into the actual um, 
Apple uh, computers themselves where they've gone over to ARM processing. Crazy, crazy. Speaking of handheld devices, I got myself a BBC Micro. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of handheld device. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it worked for you, too. Uh, Eric. I'm going to go ahead and try to use that transition for myself. Um, so, Tim, what what you may not have, have known yet, but we went ahead and finally put our um, our gift unopening, which I had forgotten about <laughs> in the last op- episode. So people have heard that now, uh, us open each other's gifts on the 15th. Yep. Um, and what I received from you was a... BBC Micro, along with the future was 8-bit BBC, uh, what, SD2 BBC. That's the one. So I can load all kinds of games on it. And, of course, you filled up a nice SD card filled with all the games I could want, except for Granny's Garden. <laughs> and <laughs> and that thing came in. It was in beautiful shape. I loved it. Eric is showing his, which you sent him a few months prior. Yeah. It's a permanent fixture on my desk. Yeah. And I've got mine here underneath my... Um, my Amiga monitor now replaced my 1200 for the time being. I did have to just like Eric go on Amazon and order a uh, a uh, power converter so I can plug in that Step huge up. European yeah. yeah two is it 240 volt or 220 volt yeah. yeah 240 volt plug. Um, which is funny because literally the day after I bought that or got that in and plugged in my BBC Micro and played it for the first time, I ended up going to um, dropping by a thrift store for another purpose. And I saw one on the shelf for like three ninety nine. No, they literally had a step up converter to two forty oh, on the man. shelf. I'm like, what? What are the chances that would be here? <laughs> um, but nonetheless, it works beautifully. And uh, just like Eric, I went through all the same growing pains. Uh, for example, the first time I loaded it up, it was like midnight, roughly. And uh, the first game I loaded up, uh, the little speaker in my BBC Micro <laughs> woke everybody in the house up, and I did yeah. not know how to shut it off quick enough, so I had to like shut it off straight at the converter. But oh my goodness, that thing just... Yep. And, then, and, uh, you know. and I actually turned that one down for you as well, so just imagine what that was like normally. <laughs> <laughs> Although Eric had a good solution, which was uh, just a pixel guide in business card shove yep, it over the, yep. the speaker right over the speaker grill and you could like just slide it out and it gets a little bit louder <laughs> like, as you slide it and i did that for a long time until i opened it and moved the little potentiometer to close now, that there, down there is audio out right on that i, I no. i'm sure i could just look behind nope. it. no nope. speaker speaker on the machine only that's my yeah. option yeah yeah, wow. the, uh, the 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 other version that I've got, the BBC Master, they did actually do that eventually. Oh, okay, uh, but on the on the BBC Micro and on the Electron, I believe could be wrong here. Um, there is no audio out on it, so you can't um, silence it in that respect. And Tim, you, uh, I sent you a little something as well, so maybe you can go over what you got and what you've been doing with that. You did indeed, and thank you very much again for this. Um, I received a an amazing Atari 130XE, um, which is the uh, the basically it's an Atari 8-bit, um, and this has 128k of RAM. Yep. Um, and also, I received the amazing, amazing FujiNet. Thank you very much again for that. Um, and I absolutely love the FujiNet. Um, it's one of my one of my favorite devices now, I think, to to attach to any retro machine. Um, 
I've just been having a ton of fun with the games, um, messing around with the um, connecting to the different servers through Wi-Fi and finding different bits and pieces through that. Um, I've connected to Fostech's BBS briefly as well. Oh, cool! Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get that uh, back out once uh, once we finish this episode and start playing about with that some more. Um, I'm probably going to plug it into my 800 XL as well and uh, see how it goes with that because I've just used it with the 130 at the moment. But yeah, I'm, I'm just absolutely loving it. Um, so yeah, I want to, want to do more with the Fuji net and, uh, maybe, maybe I'll do a section on the show for it. Maybe a tea time will Tim with Fuji net will, will be up and coming very soon. Cause I, I love it that much. So thank you very much guys. Now, of course we had that, um, made at the Bruin Academy here in California who custom printed, um, the casing for that to match the XE series of computers. So does it feel wrong when you shove that futuristic, uh, gray adapter into your early eighties Atari eight hundred. <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't put that into the eight hundred XL yet. So it's, oh, it's, okay, I thought you did. <laughs> it, it, no, no, it's just just been living on the one thirty so far. So uh, yeah, it's but yeah, it's it's all good. Um, uh, just one thing as an aside. Um, it's not not directly related to this, um, but I was speaking to uh, Rod from Future Was Eight Bit. And the Kung Fu Flash, um, which yeah. is uh, the Commodore 64 cartridge loader, so similar to Easy Flash and that sort of thing, um, that's now got a, a proper firmware update, and it is now NTSC compatible. Wow! <laughs> so it's still in experimental. Um, but I've tested out, uh, 1.17a, I think it was, which was the first implementation on it. And I couldn't find any issues with it. Um, so they've now progressed the firmware up to, I believe it's 1.20. Um, so what the problem was with the early ones is that if you, uh, let me get this right. If you flashed it on a, if you flashed the NTSC version on a PAL machine, as soon as you flashed it, you then turn your machine back on. And of course, your machine wouldn't power up because it was thinking it was NTSC. Um, so you had to obviously unplug the cartridge, then put it into your NTSC. Uh, whereas the later versions now are, are quite happy and it will, it will power up and just work. So you can put it into either machine. Uh, but if you go to run a NTSC game on a power machine, it will say, sorry, you need a, you know, the, the relevant version. Um, so it will tell you to reflash the firmware. Um, but yes. Uh, it is now available and NTSC support is there. So that's cool. good stuff. That's good news. Yep. Super cool. Yep. Eric, what have yes. you acquired? I had a search on this on eBay for five or six years, which I wasn't that interested in it anymore because once you sent me the 48K Spectrum, Tim, mm -hmm. like uh, I really wasn't that interested anymore, but... I still had my searches out on eBay and finally one came up that was actually really inexpensive and in brand new shape. So I grabbed a TS 2068, <laughs> which is Super the cool. Sinclair version of the 48 K spectrum. Nice. Um, has a nice little cartridge port in the front here. You know, when you lift this up um, and 
even before I got this, I grabbed the twister board for it, which this basically this is almost 100% incompatible with 48K regular <laughs> Spectrum games. Right. Seriously. Yep. But this puts a regular ROM on it, a boot ROM, so that it will is almost 100% compatible with 48K Spectrum. Correct. Now, so I, and I got this a long time ago because I figured these would disappear, like it would be hard to get. And sure enough, they're not that easy to get anymore. Um, but I got this a long time ago, even without having this. And I got this. And I plugged it all up and I tested it and it and this is in mint condition. I mean, it is really in good shape. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing is the the 48K is not going away anytime soon because I plugged this in and because it is a NTSC machine, the colors are all wrong. Yeah. Like when I played Jetpack, it was all in purples and greens. <laughs> and um, it just, I couldn't get used to that. And when I plug, so also, by the way, this not only does ZX Spectrum, but this port on the back um, doesn't support peripherals unless you have this. This has an edge connector on it yep. that you can plug in the, um, you know, the, uh, what do you call it? the div MMC future? Yeah, and joystick yeah. ports, joystick adapters, and all the correct other, all the other stuff. Yep. Oh, wow. So when you do plug this in, you can plug in original 48k Spectrum peripherals, which I did. I plugged the div um, IDE in there, and um, or is it div MMC or div, div IDE for future from the future was eight bit. Correct. Correct. Dot I plug this in and it's not, it, 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 funny thing is it doesn't boot. It just sits there and stalls. But if you hit enter, it then starts up, which is an oddity, but it works. And I was able to load Jetpack and everything else on this. It's just that the colors are wrong and the video output on this is there is a composite that is built into this one, Tim. Yep. I don't know yep. if you knew that. Yeah. But there is, this one has video composite out, but it's not great. No, it's not. It's not a great. It's it's just not high quality output. It probably so, needs that resistor mod. I think you're right because it just did not look right, and it 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 did a bunch of weird aliasing. Like when sprites would move or like uh, our characters would move, there's a square around them that is set is set differently than the background. It's hard to explain. Yeah, but that's that's, but, that's the normal sprite spectrum sprite clash, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, that's. I was going to say you're you're describing the specy. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think that's classic artifacting, isn't it? Where you go from PAL yep. to NTSC because you see that I think you're right. Sixty fours a lot as well. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so. So there's no, and, and, and another thing you can see, this is way bigger than the 48K. So yeah. the thing is, this was a cool thing that just came up and I decided, hey, I'm going to grab this, but I'm probably going to put it in a tub and it's going to sit there because the 48K sits perfectly on top of the BBC Micro. Yeah. <laughs> They're like it little piggybacks it, like a baby um, tortoise. Interestingly, Timex over here, because that that's bigger because it's got the cartridge port on the side. So that's why you have right. that expansion slot, because obviously it's taking that up. Um, yep. But um, Timex did actually release a Sinclair ROM uh, that goes into that cartridge slot. Um, it's super, super rare, um, but you can actually get one. And I believe that's what the Twister is based on. Yeah. And so it, it's a neat thing, and I like the keyboard on this. It's kind of a clicky. It doesn't have the rubber eyes. It's harder plastic keys. Yeah. I mean, they're still not. They're still kind of chiclet, but yeah. they're not like the rubber. Um, it, I love know, the I rubber. I just to add this to my collection because this was the American version of the 48K. So it was. Yeah. I, 
I have it and it's fun, but uh, the 48k is not going anywhere. <laughs> so between you and Cody, you've now got kind of like the two main Timex versions. So you, Cody's got the Timex <laughs> the ZX81, and you've got the oh, you've got the ZX Spectrum one. So nice. Yeah, and guys. Well, actually, actually, remember, mine actually is the Sinclair. I do not have a Timex one. I thought you had the Timex one. Oh, okay. Nope. Oh no, you had the Timex Ram Pack, didn't you? That was it. I, yep, but I got the uh, the Sinclair ZX81, um, ZX81, which came over apparently as a kit that you had to build, but it was already built when I bought it. Yeah. Yep. So I do not own anything Timex. I honestly, I, Eric, just like you, I'd probably buy that if I saw it for a good price, just to have it. Right. Same thing. <laughs> like I, I literally lost interest once Tim sent me that because I don't need it. I mean, this does everything I need, and I have a plus two, you know, that I don't really use all that often, but. I saw that come up and I had the twister board already. And I was like, you know what? I got to pull the trigger on this. And it's a neat little thing to have, but I'm probably not going to use it that much. And you got the next on the way. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. I played so much next. Um, speaking so, of what's yeah, next, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all caught onto that one. Um, this is not, well, there's a reason I didn't put this in the news. I guess this has been out for a while, but I just learned about it. Okay. And that is, uh, have you heard of these um, Super NES recent ports of um, games that are taking advantage of the MSU1 chip? No. What's the MSU1 chip? Clue us in, Cody. I will clue you in. So basically, I don't know what game had this chip, but I guess back in the day, this chip was made... Um, for a very small amount, if any, publicly released uh, Super Nintendo games. And it was this MSU sound chip. I'm sure it was very expensive, so it didn't make financial sense. But it actually allows Super Nintendo games to have, like, CD-quality audio put Mm -hmm. into them. And so I got on this kick where I started looking these things up, and there's all these games out there that people have um, modified, classic Super Nintendo games, and they have their own versions of the audio that is CD quality audio that's been shoved into these ROMs. So you can pop it on a, uh, a NeverDrive and play the games that um, you know and love, but with amazing soundtracks. So does um, EverDrive emulate the the sound chip, or is that it, within the ROM itself? I, bl- you know, I don't. I'm not going to pretend to know. To be honest with you, uh, what I do know is that when you get one of these games, it's much much larger than a regular nes rom super yeah. nes rom because it's got all of the uh you know seat raw basically raw audio in it right and um so i've been playing games i play i loaded up super metroid which is a game i love and mm-hmm. already has a killer soundtrack but now that it's like this orchestral cd quality soundtrack it's just amazing oh wow and then another one i heard great things about and i've talked about it on the show i think our isometric episode rock and roll racing yeah on the on the on the uh super nintendo is known for having these rock and roll tunes, and they do a pretty good job of doing these little like MIDI, you know, um, versions of these rock and roll tunes. But now they have the actual tunes like injected into the game, and I got caught up in rock and roll racing to the point where I again played I think four hours straight, maybe maybe not quite three hours straight of rock and roll racing, and completed the whole championship and beat that game. Um, now, to be fair, when you turn on the game and start it and just hit, a, you know, start, 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 like I always do, I think you start on, like, normal difficulty, which there's, like, two difficulties that are harder than that available to you. So, uh, it wasn't the hardest difficulty, but, um, you know, you get, you get to hear, like, Born to be Wild with the actual recording on there and um, 
I can't remember the Kiss song right now, but if I heard it, I would know. But uh, a whole bunch of these these classic rock and roll songs that are just. So where do these ROMs play right now? They they won't they they can they play on a re- a real Super Nintendo? Yeah, I'm playing on a real Super Nintendo. <clears throat> on yeah. the EverDrive. Yeah, on the EverDrive. You're, you're yes. doing it through the EverDrive, which supports the MSU One enhanced ROMs. So it's, I, it's something that's oh. built into the is it FPGA or whatever it is on the EverDrive. So the SD to SNES doesn't look like it will do that. So if you pl- try those on SD to SNES, it won't work. You'll just because I have an I, I have the first EverDrive, so I doubt it, that's an old one. I doubt it supports it. Right here is my cart that works that it works with. Yeah. Oh, that's that cool. is, so. It is the SD to SNES. All oh, right, okay. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Now it is the one that Chris Cricks makes. Oh, right. Um, okay. So it's it's the Cricks right. ones. Yeah. It's the Cricks one. Um, so but you, I have the very first one he made, so I doubt it's going to work because mine is old. Mine was the very first one Cricks ever came out with. So yeah. So the SD to SNES Pro is the is that is that the FX Pack Pro? Is that the one? So it looks like no, that's, that's the brand the new one. One support. Hmm. Hmm. I, I don't know. It's this one, but but this is not the new one. Okay, I think the I'm, pro I'm is the brand new one. Age Gamer website here, so yes, yeah, look, looking like you've got the uh, the the one that supports that because there's one at eighty eight dollars or whatever it is that doesn't support, and then there's one at one hundred ninety six dollars which has got the MSU one support and shipping. I guarantee you, I have That's the one that doesn't support it because mine was the first one, and it, it it already takes a long time to load even a regular SNES ROM. Like it's not instantaneous. It like you see the graduation <laughs> bar going across. It's like the original OG EverDrive from Cricks. And I, I, I can't see it working with that because it's already painfully slow. I say we give it a shot because this is <laughs> the reason. He's like smoke coming out of my Super Nintendo. The re- reason I was able to get this one for cheap on eBay is because they were buying that new Pro one. They were selling their old one. Oh, yeah. so this is, this okay. is not the Pro one. But anyways, it's, there's, right a, there's a whole bunch of games and a bunch of people that put their own packs out there. So um, I, I just think it was super cool. And it went down a whole rabbit hole downloading these things and... Uh, you just the, the only thing you have to do is you have to have the game in a folder. So you open that folder on your Super Nintendo, and of course the ROM has to be in that folder with all of the WAV files, um, or whatever they are. They're not uh, WAV okay. files, so, audio so files. Maybe that's what it is then. So maybe they're um, they're playing the music in the background over the emulation, rather than actually using the original support with the hardware. If maybe you know what I mean that's a, that's in the later versions of the EverDrive. I don't care about how the voodoo makes it work. All I know is it sounds amazing. <laughs> I just know. <laughs> Kill us now. <laughs> so, Tim, you've been playing with the VGA. Yeah. So, um, one of the things I've been trying to do for a little while is get uh, VGA working on my Amigas. Um, so, I've been having a, a mess around with that. Um, and you have to have um, specific um, uh, monitors uh, that will support, I think it's 15, 15 hertz. That's right. 15,000 hertz. That. Yeah. So like multi-sync monitors, that sort of thing. Um, so there is a monitor just to uh, the right of me at the moment, um, and that is a 
specific model of the Dell monitors, um, and that one works. That one does a good job. So I managed cool. to pick that one up. I think it was around about £60, um, and it's it's also a killer monitor as well. It's really, really nice. Um, but another one um, that I will show you, just give me a second. This is, the, this is the part of the show where Tim hops off into the back of his uh, right. abyss and pops out. It's like the warehouse at the end of uh, Indiana Jones, and he comes back from between all these crates. So this is the Benk or BenQ or however you want to pronounce it, um, BL702. So this is actually the A version, and this is, funnily enough, a touchscreen monitor. But this particular huh. one doesn't work, um, and I'm not too worried about that. It's um, a flat screen the, for those the, who can't the see touch it. Screen. Yeah, the touchscreen doesn't work. But this is absolutely brilliant. I would recommend um, to a lot of people, uh, if you're doing a lot of Amiga stuff, that these are the monitors to go for um, if you if you don't want to have all the fuss of a, a CRT and all that sort of stuff. Um, these are really, really nice monitors. I managed to pick this one up for about 20, 25 pounds, I think. Um, yeah. So it's a real bargain. Okay, it doesn't come with a stand, but it's got a Visa mount on the back, so that's not a problem. And that actually works better than that much more expensive and slightly more modern Dell monitor. Um, the Dell huh. monitor, you get a lot more sort of like... Um, banding like the jail bars on commodore 64 you get yeah. a bit, bit more banding on that one but this this one is you know really does suit it very very well um so yeah i would recommend that so that model again so the bank or benq uh, bl702 um so i'd recommend going out and getting one of those but you will also need um one of the little uh, vga adapters um, and you can get those from Amiga Kit, um, and they just literally just the 23 port um, to the is it the 15 15 pin 15 pin VGA yeah with yeah the three to, to, the, to, columns, to the VGA yeah. adapter. It's got a little bit of um, jiggery pokery in it, whatever you call it. Ooh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> jiggery pokery. Um, to do, to do. You have to beep that out there, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is a PG-13 show, Tim. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's got, got all that in there. And, uh, yeah, I would really recommend that. And it's just really nice display. Um, and like I say, if you don't really want to mess around with uh, CRTs because they're getting really expensive and obviously quite quite difficult to maintain these days as well if they go wrong. So that's a nice alternative. Right. Where you, you can just plug straight in. There's You don't need any different drivers or anything like that. Just uh, just get the adapter and off you go. But yeah, if you do a, want, oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. There was like a little. There's a little place here in Sacramento called Surplus Stuff, and it, it, there's a lot of electronics stuff in there. But you very rarely find anything good. But I remember one time I went in there, and there was an NEC multi-sync LCD, and it does that 15 uh, hertz. You know, because one thing the Apple II needs that too. If you're going to try to connect it to an LCD, yeah, or the Atari. Um, but. Um, but I found that there and it was like 25 bucks. But the way you were handling that LCD with one hand, there's no way. Because even though this is an LCD, this one that I got <laughs> weighs a ton. Yep. Like I, it's it's hard to lift. I mean, it is, it, it is, but it is a really cool monitor. So it's, Eat your it's, Wheaties. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I have one of those exact same monitors. Um, yeah. That's the reason why I don't use it, because it is just so darned heavy. It really is. It really is. I mean, that, 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 that BenQ one was, was, you know, it's just, just 
does the job um, and does it very well. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm really pleased to get that one. Um, and talking of CRTs and monitors, um, I managed to get my um, 1084 monitor back. Um, that died, oh, I don't know, probably about a year and a half ago, I suppose. Oh, wow. um, and um, I sent it off probably three or four months ago um, to one of uh, my amazing friends on Twitter um, at Binary Dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, and he agreed to uh, do the repair for me. Um, it turned out to be, I think it was uh, one of the uh, resistors. I think it was a couple of resistors that had gone pop and one of the, one of the control chips. Um, so he spent some time and, and repaired that for me, which I'm extremely grateful for. Cause that's so nice to have that back. Um, so that's, uh, that's really good. I was uh, very pleased to get that. And it's, it's really good that monitor because it's got the, um, sort of like the round RGB, uh, RGB connector, the DIN type one, and it's got SCART on that one. Whereas my normal regular 1084S and the, uh, 10, uh, the other uh, one that I've got has just got the, um, the, the nine pin DIN, uh, RGB that, that's connector what I've got, yeah. there, so, which is, uh, which is great. Uh, but it's nice to have that SCART connector on there as well. So I can use it, um, you know, just basically plug anything into it over here. Yeah, I've got on the, the back of my 1084. There's a SCART push out, like a little yeah. etching, but it doesn't go anywhere. Like you could, <laughs> like you could punch it out, but there's not no electronics behind it. So yeah, yeah I've, I've got the but, the 1084 standard with the nine pin, and then a whole bunch of adapters. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> So um yeah Eric you've um you've been uh, doing some more controlling I guess. <laughs> yes I have. Oh, so Eric's going to hop off in the background. Here he is. This this was my uh the the like the very best Christmas present that I got was the 8-bit dough controller. Whew, and that's the fancy new one, right? With the That's the fancy new one which this you know sometimes you learn stuff on your own show. We talked about this like many shows back. Yeah, like that it that it was coming, and here you know it finally came out, um, and so I got this, and I'm not going to talk a ton about it because this is what I did my segment on um, was reviewing a kind of a first look on the eight bit dough, but I have been using this thing exclusively on everything. Like it works well with my Mister, it works with the um, Raspberry Pi, um, it. It has so many functions. It comes with a 2.5 gigahertz receiver, so you can plug it in at just about anything. Um, it it it's just it it works super well, and you can listen to my segment about the review that I did on it because I mean it, it 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 this thing weighs a ton. I mean it it really is a nice nice arcade stick, and for the price, solid. Yeah, I mean it it's hard to beat, and it 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 I've been having a blast with. It. I've been using it a lot for Street Fighter Two. And I've been like, my mojo is back. Like I'm, I'm able to beat street fighter two on one credit now. Um, and it really is like just getting back to using a good old fashioned arcade stick is you don't realize it cause you get used to the, to the controllers, but using an arcade stick is, is amazing. And this one is a very good, um, alternative if you don't have one. So Gosh, anyway. darn it, Eric, you just sold me on something. I have to spend more money. Yeah, you need this. This is awesome. And and it's very highly moddable, which I cover in the segment. I've opened this up. On the bottom of this is just a steel plate, which is really all the weight. But on the top is just a typical arcade setup where you can replace, you can just pop these um, these buttons out and put higher quality buttons in. Yeah, yeah. 
Now the joystick is soldered in. I mean, the wires are soldered, but they're easily easy to remove and you can just put in any kind. And after two weeks of using this, um, I don't think I'm really going to upgrade mine because I'm, I'm perfectly fine with the parts that are in this. They're actually not bad at all. So I remember the, the first version of that stick was a slightly different part number. I remember seeing them um, at Fry's and they were blowing them out for like 40 bucks. Right. And I still thought it was too rich for my blood and I'm kicking myself now because that thing. I did read though that this version is much better. Yes. I mean, it supports it, if it. You can actually join this to your switch very easily. It has Bluetooth and 2.4 and wired. So I love is, my wired. I like my direct connections. Yep. And it has that USB-C. You can just plug it into anything you want. So, I mean, it, it, it's, I've read reviews comparing that original 8-bit Dota to this one. And this one is, I guess, good in all categories, better than that original one. I like the uh, styling on that as well, because it's very much like the, was it the NES Advantage stick as well, isn't it? Exactly. And I, I, I think I said that exactly in my segment. Like the, the, the styling of it is very uh, reminiscent of the original Nintendo Entertainment set, uh, System. So, yeah. So anyway, I covered that, so I don't, don't sounds, need to talk too much about it. It sounds like that control stick has some very good specs. <laughs> it does. So speaking of tell me about spec. <laughs> um, all right, that was a good transition. Kudos uh, <laughs> into specy games. Before I go there, though, uh, Eric, I yeah. have I have spent ten minutes waiting for my next beer. Yes, I think it's I time to crack open our last beer of the night slash I'm so thirsty month. So so thirsty. So if you want to pull out the last beer, I do. I, I grabbed this on a complete whim. Your favorite beer of last year, your beer of the year, Eric, uh, peanut butter stout. Yes. Um, I found it at our local grocery outlet. Now, grocery outlet, Tim, is a grocery store here that sells basically like discounted foods like usually overstock at other you know i don't know if you've got a place like that over there yep. but uh you know like day old donuts or or, <laughs> or um you know if you go there and, and order rice crispy buy a rice crispy treats they might only be a buck for a big old box but they're gonna be like jalapeno flavored rice crispy like some weird <laughs> some weird be like some weird off yeah. the wall thing yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. And every once in a while, you find something amazing there. And I found that peanut butter beer, you know, for uh, for sixteen ounce, for um, eight ninety nine. So I bought a couple four packs. But while I was there, I decided to go back to our roots, and I got us this beer here, which is an Oasis Amber. And I got this. Um, this has me nervous, though. Well, I'm gonna tell you why. <laughs> I know. I think I know you're know what you're going to say here. So it's an whenever, amber. Whenever I see a beer that says lower in calories and carbs, <laughs> I run for Z Hills. <laughs> so I got it partly because of that. Partly because my my wife is trying to be cu- to cut back on beer, and this is a good excuse to keep her drinking with me. Right. But also because I know you you both you guys have been running a lot lately. Uh, just to drink beer. That's the I'm, only reason I run. And I'm trying to support your New Year's resolution. Yeah, correct. The other, the other thing that makes me worry is, is it, right there it says BJ's, which is a local tra- chain restaurant. Not right. local, but an American chain restaurant. But they don't have all horrible beers. Some of their beers are really quite good. So I really like I, their I'm Jeremiah Red. I I'm really like their Jeremiah mind. Red. So this is a Oasis Amber. And, light uh, beer. It and says let's it right crack there, it open. Oasis Amber Light Beer. That worries me. Let's try it. But it's an, I've never had an, a Light Amber. So... So the guys are We're opening for their the beers. Best. Cody's getting his pour on. Yeah. yeah. You know. It's looking good. It's got a nice color. It's, it's got a nice amber-red yeah. color. Yeah. Yeah. 
Although it is light. You can look at mine, Tim, since uh, that mine's the HD stream and yeah. Cody's is like the eight bit stream over there. Yeah, I will be purchasing a webcam shortly. <laughs> Cheers! All right. Cheers! Oh wait, where's my bomb? Tim's Tim's chugging his coffee. So, what's your first impressions, then, Eric? The flavor's not bad. Yeah, it's not. So it's it does have a flavor of an amber ale. It's a bit caramelly mm-hmm. and a bit light. Um, <laughs> it does taste like you know when you taste a beer. There's a little uh, uh, lack of a better term, a thickness to it. Mm-hmm. This lacks a thickness because most yeah. light beers do. Yeah, a viscosity. Um, what's the nose? <sighs> what's it? What's the, what, how is it on the nose? It's it's light on the nose. Yeah, it's not a lot. On, on not nose. a lot going on on the nose. Um, it's it's so basically what we're saying is is a nice color, but it's lacking yep. substance. It's a great looking can. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great looking can. Yeah, love love the can, love the can. It, it, it's no, I'm gonna be head. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. It's not hor- It's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. It's, it's drinkable. It's not bad at all. And and you know, the funny thing is this says 120 calories, right? When I think of a light beer that tastes horrible, it's going to be like one of those light Michelobes or something that's like, like 50 calorie, calories. Yeah. Michelob Ultra, 50, 50 uh, calorie yeah. or whatever. This has got a good 50 to 30 calories on those. So this probably packs in a little more flavor than those would. Um, it's a lot, lot better than like a Bud Light. Sorry, Tim, what was that? I was saying, what's, what's the alcohol percentage on that one? 4.7 so it's oh, got a healthy it's kick a, it's an easy drinker i mean i'm not going to hold that against it. it it actually it it's not bad i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm not gonna hold that against it i mean it, it so eric when you think of bj's restaurant what's the single menu item that comes to mind tim you don't know what bj's is right i'm assuming that's not over there no okay <clears throat> well it's something completely different <laughs> no, that that means the same. We just ignore that when it comes to restaurants for some reason. Um, I, I I've only been to BJ's a couple of times, um, so I don't know what's on the menu. I, I don't the, remember. Their their big thing is the pizuki. Have you heard That's of the? That's right. You're right. Yes. The cookie the cookie dessert it's, that has. It's basically it's very American. It's a very large like twelve inch cookie in a mm-hmm. pan where they don't cook it all the way through, and it's like dough. Cookie it's dough. Like, right. Yeah. 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 And that's their big thing. So out of, um, I don't know, this is 120 calories. Out of 120 pizookies, what are you going to give this, Eric? Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to give it a good, out of 120, I'm going to give it a eh, an 85. All right. I'm right there. I'm gonna, I was going to say 90. I, I'll say 98. I'm sorry, 89. Oh, 89. I, I, like, I, I flip-flopped that. <laughs> that's 89. 89. It's just a good average... Amber and why not save a few calories? All right. Yeah, if you feel like there, you could do worse. If that's not a bad way to put it, Tim, because most of the domestic light beers here are wretched. I think light beers yeah. in general are pretty wretched, aren't they? But I, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you there, Tim. Yeah, uh, you, I think you got it. <laughs> so speaking of specky games, yes. I, <laughs> um. I got out my, my Spectrum next, got it off the wall because I wanted to play a new game we talked about in the news called Delta's Shadow. Yeah. Uh, which is a sequel, a spiritual sequel to the, um, uh, what am I thinking? Blade. Oh, shoot. Now I'm forgetting the name of it. 
the NES games. What are they called, guys? Blade. Um, Power Blade? Power Blade series. Thank you. You're welcome. Have you played we those games, though, guys? <laughs> That's just why I remembered. <laughs> well, yeah. Have you played those at all, Tim? Power Blade games? Not I'll at all. I'll take that no. as a no. <laughs> uh, on the original Nintendo, um, I think I think I touched on them. I don't think I've played them in depth though. They're great. Just I we kind of said in the last episode, they're like diehard in in a video game. Um, you're just this bro with like sunglasses and has um, he throws like this um, this electric boomerang out in front of him that comes back to him, and you're just blowing things up and punching things and blowing that. It. It's just good old action game. Um, Good old Storm the Capital fun. Yeah. And my goodness, this game is amazing on the Spectrum Next. They also have the 128K version for uh, more standard speckies, but um, but this is the game without Color Clash. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, pl- it just plays super smooth, but oh my gosh, it was so much fun. Um, just blowing things up, uh, just feeling like a bro on these, like, it's it just felt super 80s, the... the the material felt 80s. The um, great visuals, sound, the gameplay was super tight, which I don't always associate with 8-bit computer games. Um, I played with a pad, which allowed me to use a button for jump that was not up, which was oh, awesome. Good. Yeah. Um, there's save points. You gain different abilities, kind of like Mega Man. Um, honestly, a lot of this game felt more like Mega Man to me than Power Blade. Uh, the boss battles had a great feel to them. You kind of learned their patterns and could use uh, kind of their weaknesses and you exploit them. And then you kind of get the special abilities they drop behind and you can use that later on in the game. And it was really well done as, you know, there's parts of the game you had to have those abilities to reach certain areas. Um, I wouldn't call it a Metroid-style game at all, but there were small elements of that within the game. Um and this is another one of those games that came from, uh, I can't remember the name of them right now, but one of those uh, Russian Specty programming studios. Yeah. And they're putting out some really, I, I would say most of the best Specky games right now are coming out of Russia. <laughs> they're they're bringing uh, some good stuff. I mean, I, I think the, the thing with, uh, with Russia um, is that they just had a massive number of um, Spectrum clones um, over there. So I think that's why the Spectrum scene is so big. Um, yeah, you know, they they just literally tore that thing apart and and cloned it so many times. There's some weird and wonderful. I know um, uh, Rod um, from Future Was Eight Bit. He's got about three or four different weird and wacky ones, um, and some of the insides of them are literally dead. They're, they're like wire wrapped. You know, they're just so yeah. There's just very few ICs in them. They're just you know, just, just logics and wires and all stuff all over the place but yeah they they've Crazy. got kind of a bit of a love affair with this with the spectrum and and their um different clones of it in fact that's uh, i'll be honest that's um on not an immediate buy list but down the road i i think i do want to try to get a hold of like a russian clone like the weirder the better if it comes in like a wood case with like weird metal buttons out of another computer like awesome yeah like i, I want to pick yeah. there's one some of those neat up. ones i've seen cool. some neat ones online like uh just pictures of them i mean they don't have to be all very weird looking there's some of them that look actually really decent on the outside i mean they're they're pretty cool little machines so yeah yeah they they, they did a lot of work with that very cool and so that game i was a, it's a must buy in my opinion um i didn't play the 128 version uh 
very much. I tried it just to see the difference, but I'm sure that version is very good as well. Um, but when I downloaded this game, which, by the way, I had to download off a uh, Russian website, which had kind of weird securities and stuff to it. It was kind of a task to get my password and actually log in. And um, luckily, I was in a country that could use PayPal, but like some countries can't. Like it's it was a little shady, a little weird. But um, yeah. but once I did, I actually wrote the guy personally because it would not send me a password reset link. Yeah, and he actually got back to me in a reasonable amount of time, like ten hours, probably because the, of the time difference. Uh, you know, from our small interactions, really nice guy, and he helped me get the, my password, and he sent me one that I was able to make it work. Um, but I also purchased another game on there which I had never heard of, and it was in uh, what was the uh, the ZX Spectrum? It's kind of a Russian centric Spectrum coding competition they do every year. Yep. I forget the name of it right now. Yeah, and I know I, one. We we covered a couple of games off of it, didn't we? Uh, yeah, I don't remember the name yeah, of it. I can't remember the name now. Um, but it was also in that competition, and they turned it into a full-fledged game. And I would recommend this game absolutely. I bought it for a, a, a full $1. Um, and it was called Marsmare Alienation. Hmm. Um, Marsmare Alienation. It's kind of a weird name. But it was a really cool, and this is a true... Uh, Metroid-style game, Metroidvania, if you will, in every sense of the word. So much fun. Um, the graphics are a little more simple. They're not as impressive as Delta Shadow, but it was probably a solid... Again, another game I probably played two and a half hours straight through until I beat it. Um, there was points in the game where you could save at these little computers, um, but you couldn't save wherever you wanted, so you couldn't spam save, so you kind of had to play creatively and make sure before you save you had lots of health. Uh, but you keep getting these abilities, and the game kind of allows you access to new areas, just like a good Metroidvania. Really fun, really solid. You're a, a man caught in an alien uh, world, a uh, spaceship world kind of a thing, and uh, you're trying to basically break out, and to do so you have to you know, shoot aliens and grab some of their weaponry and use that against them. And by the end of the game, you're finding a jetpack, which changes the whole game, because now you can fly anywhere you want. Um Highly recommended, especially for a buck. Yeah, so. it sounds like a good deal. Was that a 128 or a 48, or did they do two versions of it? Uh, you know, I played the 128 version of that. Yeah, that, that has nothing to do with the next. I apologize if I didn't clarify that. But yeah, I played the 128K version. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, another another game I played, I think I'm next right next again here. Um, we talked about Outrage. Uh, Tim, I know that uh, I think you gave it a try as well. In the news I had mentioned on the Commodore 64, Outrage came out, and just uh, about a week ago, they did fix my complaint, which was that it would not load quickly. It was very slow to load, yeah. and I couldn't put the CRT image on my Easy Flash. So they did release a version of the game, which fits on an Easy Flash, made the game much more playable, because now I can actually play, die, and then have it load right away, so I don't have to wait, you know, almost a minute every time I die. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, not a great game. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, right. it looked super cool. I was excited about it. Um, thought once I got the cart version, I'd be able to get better at it. And it's it's got all the uh, the hallmarks of what could be a good game. I just think the level design was just thrown together, and it kind of just made it meh. Um, things kind of came at you at weird angles, and you jump to things. There's no way to dodge enemies. It's just not not my favorite, but... That's all I have to say about that. 
Yep. They can't all be winners. No, no. Speaking of winners, though, Tim, tell us about your Pi 400 adventures. Yes. <laughs> so you finally got it up and going. I did. Well, I've, yeah, I've got the, got the Pi 400, uh, 400 up and going, but uh, most importantly, I got it going with the Pico 8. Yeah. Nice. So I, uh, Beautiful. I've been exploring. Exploring <laughs> <laughs> is exactly. Play some Ninja Cat. We talked um, about that last episode. I, I haven't, I, I, I must admit, I haven't had a huge amount of time with it um, because I, I got it going um, and then I literally had to wipe out that setup to do my um, <laughs> Neo Geo segment. Uh, right. So I've, I've got, uh, I've got all the all the stuff ready to go on it again, but um, I was amazed at the at the Pico Eight, and I can't remember the name of the game. Um, but there was a um, a little kind of like space exploration game um, where you've got sort of like a, a little ship, and it's sort of like looks um, like one of the typical Star Command those kind of games, and you're just moving the ship around with the cursor keys or something like that, and you come across planets and um, aliens and bits and pieces like that, and it's kind of like a, a mini exploration game. Um, and you you go up to the planet, and they says they can't trade with you at the moment because you haven't got a translator or something like that. So then you work work yourself around, and you find another huh. alien race that gives you a translator for some information or something like that. And yeah, you just you just go around. I'll, I'll find I'll find the title out, um, and I'll I'll I'll, meant, I'll probably dig into it a little bit more. But that was a that was a good game. Um, that doesn't sound familiar to me. So yeah, I'd like to hear here. about yeah. that. Yeah, it was um, it was a good game. Um, so yeah, so that's that's basically it, really. Um, obviously, I've done a lot more with the Pi four hundred recently, um, but I was really pleased to get it get it going with the Pico eight. And um, yeah, I, I want to dig into some more of that stuff and and get exploring some more with with Pico eight <laughs> games. Cool. Love it. So and Cody, I think uh, that you you've also been uh, pieing as well, haven't you? I have also been blessed with a Pi 400. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I say that because my wife lovingly, uh, I put on my Amazon wish list. I had you had you can do a write in where you write in something rather than something Amazon actually has. Yeah. And I wrote Pi 400 as a write in, and of course, um, you know, we mentioned this before on the show, but our hobby is so niche that to find the things we like, they're typically not easily easy to get for people who don't know what they're talking about. So I thought that would give enough of a clue to be like, hey, it's not on Amazon, you got to go somewhere else. So she ended up giving me this amazing looking Pi 4 kit that came with a separate keyboard and a separate mouse and a separate book and a separate adapter and a se- all this stuff. Yeah. And it was beautifully displayed in like eight little boxes in this massive box. And I it was, I broke my heart to tell her, ah, you got this on Amazon, huh? She's like, yep. She, I'm like, yeah, they don't have the Pi 400. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I said, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, we'll send us back, and I'll order the right one right now, and we'll just call it a swap. It's fine. I can wait an extra week. But yeah. I did get it, and uh, I have been tinkering around with it. I do love it. Eric, you helped me out by getting that uh, pre-made SD card RetroPie set up yep. with a lot of games and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the, the one you gave me did have a lot of systems that, like, I was hoping for the Sega CD that wasn't on there and a couple other things, but I know you can just drop those files in and it works so yeah i thought uh, it had sega cd though but maybe i'm wrong no and i was hoping for, i know cd32 is supported as well because i was hoping to play our battle on that as well but um yeah it has 32x but it doesn't have the mega cd on there okay gotcha gotcha 
Fair um, enough. So, anyways, yep, I got my Pi 400 running. I played some um, some retro pot or a Pico 8 on it as well. Uh, but that's going to be my go-to Pi solution, obviously, moving yeah. forward. It's just so yeah. easy and pretty. Well, I didn't, and I got the matching note, mouse. Since you guys are talking Pi 400, um, I overclocked mine. Ooh. And it was it was like drop-dead easy. And I didn't I didn't push it to the max because I don't want to burn mine out. But I, I got it up to two, what is it, gigahertz? Two gigahertz, yep. Yep, got it up to two because it's 1.7. You can go up to 2.2. But that's pushing it. Yeah. So I I went to two, and it gets a little warm er on the bottom, <laughs> but it it smooths out some of the web browsing, like when you're watching videos and stuff. Um, if you're in Raspbian, um, I don't know if it's any. I just I come came across an article, and it was so dropped it easy. You add two lines to a boot up file, and that's it. And it 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 does seem a little noticeably faster. And I did it, and I was like, what the heck? Did it, and it it seems yeah. great. Yeah. I've done it to a Raspberry Pi three, but not the yeah. not the four hundred yet. Yeah, so it it works. Just don't do it too much. <laughs> don't push it too hard. <laughs> I went crazy on another Nintendo Switch sale, and I bought uh, a bunch of things that went on sale. Sure. Um, I bought a, a game that I would love to play multiplayer with you guys called Astro Bears. <laughs> oh, I've never heard of it. Imagine wow. imagine Tron. You know the uh, laser, the Tron where you're trying to avoid each other's laser line you the leave behind you cool yeah but yeah. on an on an orb mm-hmm. and if you jump you can actually go up to another plane so it creates multiple planes anyways uh that's essentially the game but um a game that i've been wanting to play a cool little metroidvania that's cthulhu based called sundered uh a game mm-hmm. called Exmorph defense time spinner is a metroidvania that i've been wanting to play for a long long time Finally bought Shakedown Hawaii, which yeah. is yeah, which I know Eric, you played a lot. Do you finish that one? Did you finish that one? I didn't finish it, but I played it a lot more than I thought because I went back and looked at the hours I played on games, and Shakedown Hawaii was one of the highest. Yeah, it was up there for you. Um, is that, which but, is um, a, is it a similar GTA style, isn't it? Is that the one? Yeah, Shakedown. it's like a little eight bit eight bit top down kind of GTA style, but it's it's. It is funny and clever, like a lot of cool little like missions and writing and stuff. It is neat. It's a it's a cool game, and it's a sequel to the uh, what was the other the original game that it came that they came out with. Ah oh, man, I don't remember the name of it. And I played that one through to completion. It was about a ten hour game, but yeah, it was like a top down sixteen bit Grand Theft Auto, and it was hilarious and great. Yeah. And this is yeah. like the sequel, so I know I'm going to love it. Yeah. Um, now, two games I did buy and have been playing. Uh, finally got Demon's Tilt, the pinball game. Mm. Okay. Which I haven't dug too much in. I've played a little bit, and I think there's just so many rules in that game, or so many objectives, that I need to really research it and learn them. Because right, right now I'm just flopping around, hitting the ball all over the place. Um, but another great game I can use with my flip grip, so I can do my vertical screen. Nice. Tata and then tate mode yes and then the one i have put a bunch of time in in fact i went ahead and beat it is uh the <laughs> the re-release of duke nukem on the switch oh really <laughs> i love that i've always loved that game honestly if i yeah. look back at games i've played in my past that's probably my top 10 if not top five um uh i it did it dropped down to 4.99 it's a, a switch version that everything's just works and it's simple um and it does have a what they call like a, a HD mode, but it's right. weird because it really doesn't look much better than the original. It just looks like the perspective changes slightly. Like if you go back and forth between them, which you can do with a click of a button, 
it kind of makes you nauseous <laughs> yeah. because you're like the wall's there and now it's kind of leaning that way now it's leaning that way now it's leaning that way um but it, i mean it feels and looks like the original games and i i'm just i'm stuck in it again i'm gonna go ahead and keep playing through the extra episodes now that they offer excellent awesome which are just good old-fashioned uh unadulterated machismo shoved into a first-person shooter game (laughs) (laughs) so eric you you've got one here next yep so i want to tell you guys a little story it's not going to be too long but um, eric's take my uh my son asked for an Xbox, the new Xbox for Christmas, which oh, yeah. you know I knew was going to be a horrible adventure. And he wanted he he said he was happy with either the X or the S, but I I convinced him that he wants the better one because it's going to last longer. You know what I mean? Yep. The S is kind of underpowered, so I told him we'd get him the the X, and he he asked for it probably in no, late November. So by that time you already could not get them. So um, I told him, Hey, we're going to get you this, but it's not going to happen for Christmas. Yeah. It's just not. So you might get it in January, you might get it in February. I don't know I, whenever they restock, but we will get this for you. And he was fine with that. So he was like, you know, I understand. I said, Hey, listen, this is a big expense too. So you're not going to get anything else under the tree. This is it. <laughs> I, this, this, I mean, he gets he got stuff from relatives and stocking and stuff, but I was like, this is it. I can't afford to get you anything else. So he's like, okay, that's fine. And he, you know, he's old enough now. He's 16. He's like, okay, that's fine. I understand. Um, And so, you know, it didn't sit well with my wife. She was like, I, I don't want him to not have anything. So let's just try to get him one. So I was stopping at like every store on the drive and she was going to every website. And we did that Jeez. for like three weeks and like, we're just coming up. We, we would hear rumors that they were available at Best Buy rumors. They were available at Walmart and we kept getting on there and we couldn't find it. And so one day my wife is working here at home and she just decides to do her rounds, which is going to every website and seeing if they have any. And she, to make a long story short, she, she, actually found one on Best Buy and on Walmart, they were like, Hey, if you do get one, it, it'll be January 15th, January 30th or whatever. Like that was the day, even if you got it at Walmart, you were going to have to wait till then. Well, she happened to just jump on Best Buy, found one and it was the Sunday after Christmas. So two days later. Yeah. And so she she did it. She hooked it up. It was kind of funny because I was driving home from work and she she logged into Best Buy with my account and it said, hey, put in this pin number. We just texted it to you. So she's like calling me in a panic, like, you got to send me this pin number. <laughs> and uh, and so like I'm driving, like looking at my phone, like I which I never do, but I'm looking at my phone going, okay, let me Worthy. find it. Let me find it. And I sent that to her and um she she locked it in she bought it and even then i was like when when you know when christmas came we we made him a little card like hey we're gonna pick this up on sunday even then i was like hey listen dude we might get there and they're gonna be like hey we we don't really have it because you know we we miss mistook inventory or whatever i was just like so like jaded about this thing and i'm gonna bring this around to be a retro story so just keep listening here <laughs> so i was like hey Eric's you know dude, this we, they may not have it they may not have it we drove up the dude rolls it out and he's like giving we see him giving ps5s and xboxes to these other cars in the parking lot 
and because it was a contactless delivery and we're waiting there and literally they empty the cart and they don't come to us. And then under the cart, there was one left and it was my son's and yeah. they brought it and <laughs> finally he got it. And I was like, Oh dude, this is it's like, I'm glad you got this. And he got it. He's super happy. We get it home, has to do updates, has yep. to do, upload <laughs> firmware. It was like four hours later, no exaggeration, <laughs> four hours later, he gets yep. to play it. And then, and then, so, you know, I'm just thinking about this whole thing and I'm like, I just don't, I barely play my Xbox one as it is. It really just, it really solidifies. I, I think from here on out, I don't think I'm going to get the new generation for a long time until it like Cody like does like it's till it's like dirt cheap. I'm just not, I, I'm going to just dive deeper into retro gaming because modern gaming is kind of like turning into a real pile of crap. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quite literally. It really does. Honestly, yeah. you know, it, it's funny to me. If you want modern <clears throat> sensibility as far as game design and stuff. Yeah. Go online and look at PlayStation 3 games or whatever system you have, Xbox sure. uh, 360. Yeah. Like, for two, three bucks a game, you get these amazing, amazing games that maybe, yeah, they maybe have rough edges on the pixels or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they're the same, more or less the same style of gameplay. Yeah. Right. And I can, for three I, bucks, I can find a 30 hour adventure that I fall in love with and play on my PlayStation 3. Yeah. I, I look at the, the, you know, the PS5 and the Xbox, uh, the, the most recent stuff. And it, I don't know why, but it just leaves me cold. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can't, I can't find any spark any you know any and that you know i have to have this i have to have this now it was completely different with the playstation 2 playstation 3 um playstation 4 was one i didn't get from day of release and i just waited and waited and eventually i just got it um but to be honest with you the playstation 4 I got that mostly for the VR side of things. Um, yeah. And at the time, we'd sort of like um, ditched um, what, what we, our satellite TV over here. Sky TVs just got so expensive. Um, and we were able to use it um, through someone else's subscription. It's a bit naughty, but um, <laughs> we, were, <laughs> Dirty we were able to use someone else's subscription and put it on the PlayStation 4 so we could watch it through that. So again, it, the PlayStation 4 for me is literally is just a streaming device. I use it streaming Twitch uh, onto my big TV um, I, for Sky TV, um, a couple of other little bits and pieces, but it's very rare that I actually really sit down and play a game on there, even though I love like the Gran Turismo series and all that sort of stuff and the formula one games very rare i actually use it for gaming these days um i i don't know what it is about that modern stuff maybe i'm just getting old and jaded i guess um but it it just leaves me cold and i see so many people you know uh, literally chomping at the bit to get these new these next gen consoles and i'm just like meh um you know it just just doesn't really do anything for me sorry Eric, for I me, I think no. what I, I think what it is for me is that when every game is a blockbuster, then no game is a blockbuster. Mm-hmm. It's like right. every game that comes out has been like chemically designed to interest the most people and make the most money. So they're all kind of the same. Well, and, and that's and why the, I like the Switch. I think that's why we're drawn to the Switch is we can go right. on there, spend ten, fifteen bucks, get some weird indie game about a blob with eyes that that eats mushrooms or what? I mean, I don't know whatever weird thing they come up with. 
it's got personality and it's got enough niche to it that it's interesting. It's not just another guy with a gun shooting people for 80 hours until and yeah. earning medals or whatever, you know? And, and, and you know, the whole lesson, of, the one lesson summed up is the cyberpunk game, right? So me and my son got it and I got it for him because I didn't think I'd get him the Xbox Series X on time. So a month before and I got him like cyberpunk on the PS4 and I got it on the Xbox One and we played it and on those old gens, it's horrible. It's like, I don't want to say it's horrible. It's never crashed on mine, but it looks like, almost reminds me of like the N64 where Vaseline, like the Vaseline effect. Oh, Everything really? is like very blurry and like yeah, not I, very, very crisp. Aliased. Yeah. 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 So it was like, I just got kind of like, well, this isn't so great. And this is an Xbox One. It should still be pretty powerful. So I'd stop playing it. My son stopped playing it. And then I told him he could take mine and put it on his new system. But I will say, like, the graphics on his Xbox Series X is amazing. Valhalla, he, he has two games, Valhalla and uh, uh, Call of Duty Cold War. And the graphics on these two things are amazing. I mean, Valhalla looks ridiculously like Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It looks, it looks ridiculous. It looks amazing. But you can do that on PC as well. But But... I'm just finding that the whole update process and the whole like releasing games when they're not really finished is really boring. Like I don't, I, I just, it, it's making me dive further in the retro, which is great for the show because that, that's time I can just spend with retro gaming. But anyway, that's my soapbox speech for the day. So he, he's happy. He got it. He loves it. He plays with his friends online. That's great. But I just don't think it's for me anymore. I really don't think I'm going to jump into this next generation. I think this is it. Now, like if a switch comes out and it's pro, I might look at it, but I got to be honest with you guys. Last month has been my lowest playing of the switch as well. I think I haven't we're, played much. Are we on generation nine? Is this generation nine? That sounds right. Okay. So I think, I think so far my, my generation nine console of choice is going to be the Amico. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But Speaking I, yeah. of soapboxes, oh wait, what Tim? <laughs> so, uh, I was just just going to back up what Eric says. Uh, the only the only you know kind of like something modern that I'm really looking forward to is is the next Switch. Other than that, I'm out. Yeah, I uh, think so. Yeah. So speaking of outdated systems, Cody, tell us something <laughs> that you got. Speaking <laughs> of soapboxes and outdated systems that look like soapboxes, uh, this is not video game related necessarily, but it is retro. And I have behind me a little pickup. Um, if you guys remember a while back, I went and visited the Brewing Academy and here in Woodland, California, and just a little bit north of us. And uh, I talked to Marlon there, and while he was making myself a Fujinet, hand-soldering it right there for me, felt so special, um, he was watching these weird old movies. And I'm like, that is the coolest thing. What, what on earth is that? He showed me his collection of, it had to be well over 800 video discs. Which I honestly, you guys are shaking your head. You guys know what that. I had never seen one. I was never aware of these. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I did grow up when I had when I was one of those weird kids um, that had had beta. I had Betamax. Yeah, Brilliant. my parents had Betamax. Format. Way better than yeah. VHS. <laughs> and uh, and so basically, uh, that was the format I knew until eventually my parents to come to get to get vhs because it was cheaper and more readily available and betamax just died um but anyways uh marlon was showing me these video discs and i'm like that is the coolest thing you have these huge 
square platters that have a disc inside them somewhere magically. You shove them into the machine, the machine and pull it out, and it plays a video like a record player. And then halfway through the movie, it says, please flip to side B. You had to shove the whole thing back in there, pull it out, flip it over, shove it back in again, and pull it out yet again. And I'm like, I have to own one of these. Yep. Um, the movies themselves are very inexpensive, but the players in working condition were like hundreds of dollars. Um, so I've been checking periodically, and I was so excited to find that there was a guy locally who was selling one and was willing to sell it to me for $20. Wow. <clears throat> um, I was very excited about that. came with one terrible movie that actually was scratched, and I'm getting some new ones to play with now. Um, but while we were finding a time to meet up, he also said, hey, are you interested in Laserdisc? And when I saw the price of that first uh, system, I'm like, uh, I, in my head, I'm like, I wasn't, but I, I, I'll listen. And sure enough, he's like, I'll give you my Laserdisc player and 10 Laserdiscs for 40 bucks. And I'm like, yep, sold. <laughs> um, I'm like, wow. do you, I'm like, do you have any schlock? He's like, yep. So I got like total recall and, um, kind of all these kind of schlock. I got Robin Hood men in tights. <laughs> yeah. These are all great movies. I love these them. Are, I don't know what you're talking about. Schlock. These are great movies, man. <laughs> uh, so anyways, that's behind me. I have them both set up. They're connected to my CRTs back here. Uh, the, my laser disc or my, sorry, my video disc player here with all its wood grain beauty, uh, with this huge rotary knob that like loads the, the, the tapes you yep. guys can't see it but anyways it's back here uh only works on this crt because it purely has the coax out yeah it doesn't have composite um so i did go online already and uh looked up there is a fairly easy video mod i can do with only a few wire points so i will be modding that to put out composite oh, man. and i've got um a number of laser discs and video discs coming from goodwill and ebay and all over the world right now because I might have to jump in on that. My big old, my Toshiba over here, CRT, flat screen CRT, has coax out of the back. There's nothing like watching a movie, flipping the entire disc over. This is laser disc at this point, because I haven't really watched too many video discs. Um, Watching a movie, flipping the disc over, realizing the movie's almost done. There's only like eight minutes left. Yeah. (laughs) But you need to go to side three of a completely separate video disc, which, which you watch the last eight minutes of the movie. And then there's some extra features on the other side of that. Um, I, it's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> I know I saw I saw Back to the Future on Laserdisc the other day, like for sale somewhere. And I was like, man, that would be a cool movie to watch on Laserdisc. Yep. Um, well, if you've seen good deals, let me know out there. I tell you what, who has an amazing collection of um, Laserdisc stuff, and we've mentioned him before on the on the channel is um, Amiga Bill, um, his oh, yeah. father. Um, Amiga Dad, as he's called, um, <laughs> he has a. I mean, this, this is where um, Bill grew up. Um, but his house, uh, the basement in his house, he's just got the biggest collection of vinyl and uh, laser disc and video disc stuff that you. You, it's just incredible the stuff that he's got in there. Um, just a, an amazing collection. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a laser disc is something I've been wanting to get into for a couple of, couple of three years. Um, and I, I just can't find anything decent priced over here at the moment. It's all just going crazy. Um, you know, it started off a couple of years ago when I was first looking, there were a hundred, 150 pounds. Now you can't get much under sort of like 300 pounds for a, oh, a decent working pioneer system. 
um and you know the 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 discs themselves they're not they're not too bad price but um yeah you want something to play it on and i i just haven't haven't got the uh the money aside for that at the moment but uh That's yeah it's, it's, a, it's funny. a really nice format that is what's funny about both of these systems is a working player is where the money is. Yeah. The media itself is so cheap because there's a lot of media out there and no working players. So, yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, one of the things I'm looking at now um, for the video disc player is the replacement stylus. Mm-hmm. That's right. A straight up stylus, just yeah. like a record player. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm over, over hoping here that I'll watch that many video discs that my stylus will actually wear out but I want to have a backup <laughs> and I know those things are getting, you know, more and more expensive to replace. And I think I have a beat on one, so I might go pick it up. But... Yeah, nice. Good stuff. Anyways, <clears throat> video games <clears throat> for, uh, speaking of non video game related items, Tim, you have our last uh, topic here. Yep. So I, over the holiday period, um, I got a few upgrades for my, uh, PC so I've actually switched things around. So normally there's a, a smaller PC under the, <clears throat> the desk here that I sort of like watch the um, Skype on and all that sort of stuff when we're doing the episodes. Um, that's now kind of like my work PC and my main PC has been switched over. So I've upgraded that. Um, and hopefully I'm going to start doing some streaming and video um, for the channel. Uh, for um, Pixel Garden, and hopefully that will go up on uh, ARGN as well. Um, the only thing I'm really lacking now is a decent graphics card. Um, and thank you very much to Pandemic and Brexit for completely messing up our supply chain over here in the UK. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just can't get anything over here at the moment. It is just horrendous. Um, the one I'm particularly looking for, I think, is the uh, the NVIDIA 1660, I think it is. Um, and we just they're just non-existent over here i mean it's it's almost get to the point where i'm looking at buying one from america and getting it shipped over here last <laughs> for me yeah crazy the funny thing is here even in the best of times um recently there was a when the bitcoin yep. craze happened <laughs> yeah. people were buying graphics cards to run as processors to run bitcoin farms yep. and yep. I'd go into Fry's and like there would be nothing on the shelf for video cards. Like, and then I'd ask and they'd be like, yeah, these Bitcoin guys come in here and buy them 10 at a time. Um, so they weren't easy. They, they're not that easy to find here, honestly. Um, maybe nowadays, but it's, it's tough. Yeah. I, it's I, tough. I can see people, you know, sort of like selling off the used ones and they're selling off, mm-hmm. you know, literally freshly boxed. They've, they've obviously been used for mining and then they've changed and gone, gone to something else. And when, you know, now's a good time. I just heard that Bitcoin kind of crashed a little bit. So it just <laughs> dropped, dropped 20%. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So maybe, maybe we'll see a lot of those dumping to the markets. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, because I I don't really want to get one of the secondhand ones because I don't know what their runtime is on them and what how oh yeah how sure. they've been auto- overclocked and all that sort of thing. So I don't want to touch that. So I'd rather right. spend the extra and, and wait and get a new one. Um, but yeah, that's that's it really from me. Well, guys, that's catching up, which means we have one last thing to do here on Pixel Guide N. Yeah, and that is quite simply to battle some systems (laughs) 
battle of the systems. <laughs> Now, Tim, you went ahead and picked these two games, I believe, and I commend you because they are very well-related and on two uh, actually fairly well-related yet competing systems. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe you can go over what you picked and why you picked them. Okay, so I uh, picked a couple of shooters, shoot 'em up games, which we uh, absolutely love here on the Pixel Guide and podcast. one of our sort of like go-to gaming formats. Um, so yeah, I went uh, kind of like a, a 16-bit battle this time, and I picked Apidia on the Amiga by Blue Byte, and I picked Insector X, which was um, by Hotby and Sega uh, on the uh, Genesis. Uh, I don't believe it actually got an official release over here in the UK. Um, I know there was a, a version of it that was released over in Japan as well. And both these games are horizontal scrolling uh, insect themed shmups, which is Correct. Yep. very unique as far as the shmup category, which I respect about both of these games. Yeah. Um, as we like to do, let's go to Eric for the facts. Eric, let's start with Insector X, and uh, maybe we can tee up what this game is all about and who made it. You bet. So Insector X is a game that was the developer, as Tim had said, was Hot B, which I'd never heard of, which is interesting, but that's Hot okay. Hot B. That's my favorite Spice Girl. Hot B, yeah. <laughs> uh, the publisher was Taito, uh, Hot B and Sage's Creation. Uh, in 1989, 1989, the day, the year I graduated from high school, it came out in the arcade, which I didn't know. (laughs) So there was an Insector X in the arcade. Okay. In 1990, it was released for the Famicom and Mega Drive. Um, it is a scrolling shooter, single player only. And that is my dry statistics. Okay. Did you, did you look at the other versions? I did not. I did not. I have to admit, I did not. I never heard it. This I had played Apidia before. I've I loaded up many times before, but I never. I didn't know about this game. I had no idea. No. So Insector X was originally mm-hmm. um, done in the arcade, and the graphic mm-hmm. style is completely different. So it's more really? of a, a sort of like a cutesy, um, a sort of like anime style characters, those sort of things. Um, and the Mega Drive version, uh, the the level design is relatively faithful. So sort of like the backgrounds um, and how it runs, that sort of thing. Um, but the, they, they come kind of like gave it a much more edgy feel. Um, so the, it looks more like, you know, like proper real insects and that sort of thing. And they've got the, the movement styles are different. The pickups are slightly different, but the, the kind of like the mechanics in the game is very, very similar. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that they did remove um, uh, from the from the from between the arcade and the NES or the Famicom, or Famicom version um, is that there was an auto fire pickup, I believe, in that version. And this one, you can just turn the auto fire on through the options on the on the Genesis version. Gotcha. So we're watching some gameplay here, and. Yep. Uh, the first thing I would say is it is a very colorful game. Um, I like the size of the sprites and the graphics. Um, they just have a good feel to them, a good weight. Um, 
yep. good good proportions. Uh, all the enemies on the I, I didn't really catch the backstory to this game or why you're supposed to be doing these things. I think those are always very secondary to the action in shmups. <laughs> um, but it is kind of cool that all these insects, if you will, have some cy- kind of robotic cyborg thing to them. Like right now we're watching uh, some moths come on screen. They're not just moths. They clearly have some sort of window screen. Maybe they're a spaceship that somebody else is piloting. Um, you are this robotic humanoid guy with like dragonfly wings. His name is Kai. Ooh, yeah. Kai. Gotcha. Um, and at this point, we're we're on the the second stage of level one here, watching him attack. Yep. Um, d- does anyone want to cover kind of how the weapon progression works? Dead you silence. Can take, you can take that one, Tim. The, the, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Tim. It's in. You the, got it. In the in the standard style, isn't it? So it's um, as you're going along, you're shooting. Um, you get power ups. Um, those mm-hmm. power ups obviously get uh, different types of shot. Um, you get, I believe, you get bombs, um, and uh, there's the, like a, a, a seeking missile as well that sort of like goes into the ground um, and then uh, fires upwards. Um, so you can you can, can uh, uh, sort of strategically place those as you go along. Um, the the, the basic premise of the game is you control Kai, who is an insect-sized warrior, trying to free the insect world from the Dark Ruler Queen. The game is played over five levels, um, each with an end-of-level boss. Power-ups are earned in the usual shooter way of um, killing enemies and picking up weapons. Um, on uh, this one, you've got um, three different controls. So you've got uh, button A, which does the weapon select, um, B, which is a normal shot, and C, which has got the special weapon as well. That's right. And the the one button for the secondary weapon you can is the toggle. Like you can switch between the different ones. Correct. And then B is the your standard weapon, and then C is fire that button. And what I found really cool was, or fire the secondary weapon. What I found really cool is once you get the secondary weapon, you can hold both buttons down, so you can fire your your secondary as well as your primary at the same time, which I found extremely helpful through most of the game. Um, I thought it was really cool that you could do that. I honestly would select one and pretty much go through the rest of the level with just not, I didn't use the select the secondary weapon button all that much. Um, but the power ups, uh, come to you in little like blue ovals with letters on them. And, um, they say P for power up or sometimes there's PP, which is like, a <laughs> like double power up. Yeah. Um, one thing I did appreciate about this game when you're, when you're playing through it, which in contrast to Apidia was, I didn't like in a pity that you could crash on the ground and die. <laughs> this game, no, I don't know. <laughs> What'd you say? Don't get uh, I, this. Sorry, it's one of my pet peeves on shooters. Is yes. okay. why do you have to die when you crash onto the ground? It just drives me nuts. Sorry, you. you so that's you, what I like about this game is you don't die when you hit the ground, but in a pity, uh, when you hit the ground, you die. And this one, you can get trapped behind things, mm-hmm. so you can get like by scrolling, like pushing you off of scrolling you off of the screen if you get stuck behind something but you can't die hitting the ground which i appreciated in insector x 
Yeah. So I'll go ahead and piggyback on that. So uh, I was yep. absolutely going to call that out. Uh, this yep. game does things right and wrong, but mm-hmm. one of uh, my biggest pet peeves in shmups, uh, mm-hmm. well, a couple of them, which we'll touch on both of these because these games kind of both have uh, positives and pros and cons. But this one, yes, you can press down until you hit the ground and just that's as low as you go. And you can press up until you hit the ceiling and that's as high as you go and you don't die for no reason. Um, love that. Right. I appreciate that. <clears throat> yes. Um, what uh, I struggled on a little bit with the gameplay in this this game is there are applications. Now, of course, watching this guy play the long play here where he's doing a perfect run. Uh, it doesn't <laughs> right. look this way. But like these stupid worms. Yeah. Um, they pop up at predetermined times, and and uh, so there's nothing you can do to tri- trigger these worms that shoot up basically vertically um, almost the entire screen, and you can either try to get go down and shoot the center of them to get rid of them, or you can just hide at the top and basically have a very small uh, margin of uh, room to dodge enemy fire at that point. Um, there's a few sections, like the hardest part of this whole game to me was the second level right here where the worms pop up. There was a few sections where even if you went down or with up, you had almost no room to move around and dodge bullets. And I died multiple times because of the stupid worms. Right. Um, I think this game did have a few points where I'll, I'll call them pinch points where it became almost unfair in brief sections. Um, I don't know if you guys agree or not. I'd almost call this game, it's, which, which is weird, it is both easy for a shmup, mm-hmm. it's not terribly difficult, but also unfair in that there's points where you just can't survive. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how that works together, but I just kept thinking of those two things. Like, like this level here is a breeze. This level, this stage we're looking at right now, <laughs> we're going by these, these buildings the bullets are slow. Uh, you just kind of dodge them and shoot stuff, and you just work your way through the level. But the level before this, there was all these pinch points you couldn't get through. Um, and I just kind of, kind of kept finding this game interesting because I, I feel like it's an amalgamation between the uh, kind of Konami Japanese um, Gradius formula for a game. It felt yeah. like they were trying to do like a Gradius thing, mm-hmm. but it's still a European, like a Euro shmup, which. Uh, has a lot of those things we mentioned. Uh, typically, has a lot of those things you mentioned, which is enemies that take a whole lot of sh- uh, hits to kill, which can be very annoying. Um, it doesn't have the Euro shmup, uh, like as you said, where you touch the ceiling or the ground and die. So that's a, a plus. Um, but it's got sens- some of those sensibilities of, of each, and uh, pros and cons of each, I would say. Um, I found it weird that you couldn't switch between your weapons until you got to a certain amount of power-ups. Mm-hmm. So you really were stuck with, a, a for half the levels, you were stuck with a single shot or a double shot, whatever your standard shot was. But unless, kind of like Gradius, if you lost all your power-ups, it was really hard to get them back and, and produce uh, better results as you moved forward. Um, I found that if I died in certain, again, I'm going to say pinch points... I would die there over and over and over again because now I'm underpowered for that area. <clears throat> I don't know if you guys experienced that or not. Yeah, I, I one of the one <clears throat> of the pinch points that really got me is uh, I think it's sort of like halfway through the first level uh, where you start to come out of the uh, the pyramid area and you come into the sort of like almost indoors and you can see them on there kind of like the the mushrooms. Um, mm-hmm. You've got sort of like these blocks. Um, and you've literally got to time it where you've got to get your character 
across the screen down into one of those very small tight spaces and blow up that mushroom otherwise the mushroom pretty much gets you every time um so yeah i i I found that as well with with this um that it's it's kind of one of those games where it looks deceptively easy but it's actually not um you kind of get into into the flow of the game pretty quickly it drags you in um and then there's certain things on it you know that that kind of like uh i don't know for the want of a better word bug you um because <laughs> it's I like it it's it's just sort of uh, just silly little things um and again may, maybe they're error generators i don't know that are intentionally there or whether it's just sort of like just the way that the game was designed i'm, I'm not entirely sure um but yeah the, the, i can i can definitely go along with those pinch points where it's it's you know crucial to get through and it takes you sort of like four or five goes to to get it the first time and then is one of those things that you kind of end up having to repeat over and over uh, each time you play because you kind of fall foul of the same thing sometimes just right here, I paused right here because I wanted to show you this pinch point. This is my biggest pet peeve of the whole game right here. You're going in down this corridor. There's a whole bunch of mushrooms that shoot vertically at you, but there's a pillar right here in front of those mushrooms, so there's no way to shoot them yeah. unless you have a, an arsenal that can shoot downwards a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so there's you, a, there is a power-up secondary weapon, a secondary weapon you can switch to, which he does here right at this yep. moment, which kind of shoots a little bit below him. And Correct. you can get it, but if you don't have that, it is extremely difficult. Yep. If you don't have that, there's no way to shoot those mushrooms, and they're all shooting lasers diagonally. So yep. it's almost purely luck if you can get through that. I can't imagine. I mean, you just press forward and hope, and maybe once out of, like you said, after five lives, you eventually make it through that part. Yeah. And if you have. It is it- <laughs> possible to dodge it, it's just extremely hard. Yeah. Um,. The bosses were cool. I liked how they were actually... The bosses were great. Um, they were difficult. You kind of had to learn their patterns, but right. they were very... The firing be- pattern especially, yeah. Yeah, but they were very beatable. They were, you know, they weren't... I wouldn't say there's any pinch points here. Um, they're Like, this was a gigantic moth with a cannon for a mouth. Um, again, creative, colorful, everything physically, the size of everything was really good. Now, another pet peeve I have with shooters, uh, although it's not as big of one, but this does have it to an extent, is when your character uh, is so large that your hitbox basically is the entire size of your character. Yeah. And this character takes up a good, I don't know, sixth of the screen uh, vertically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you're that big, even though the bolts are small, it's hard to dodge bullets. Like, um, you know, in future shmups and and even previous ones, you had a hitbox that was only a few pixels large, like in the center of your eye or in the center of your body or your spaceship. And that's what bullets could hit. And you could graze past the rest. And this, if if a bullet touches the tip of your wing, bottom or the tip of your toe at the at the, at the bottom, top and bottom, you're dead. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to dodge things when you're this large. And that's kind of a bummer for me. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, since no one else is jumping to say anything else, I will say the controls were tight. Yep. Um, it's pretty, uh, the music was okay. I don't remember being amazing, but the music was okay. It was catchy. Just, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was pretty solid considering I probably would go back and play this game. What's a good rating system for us to pick for two insect based shmup games? Hmm. hmm that's an interesting one. 
didn't really think about that. Um, yeah. Oh, oh. While you think about that, I'm sorry. Another pet peeve just popped up that I wanted to point out, and this happens a lot in European shmups. When crap pops out with no warning from behind you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it's probably one of my biggest ones. And it just happened there. And I'll be honest, it happens at Pidia too. Yep. Give us some sort of warning or indication. Like, if you're on level four and you've played 30 minutes of game, I don't want something to pop out from behind me that I've never seen before and just kill me instantly because there's literally no warning that that's going to happen. Like, don't right. do that to me. That's the other problem with insta-death games as well, isn't it? You know, if you've got a shield or something like that that you've got a little bit of leeway on, um, then that does help with that sort of thing. But, you know, if, like you say, something just pops up, bang, you're gone. Very frustrating. So what are we going to rate this out of then? These are both 16-bit games. Let's go with 16. Okay. Okay. And let's go with uh, Cyborg what? Cyborg? Cyborg Bees. Cyborg Bees. I like it. All right. Out of 16 Cyborg Bees, let's start with you, Eric. What are you going to give this bad boy? I'm going to give it a... Out of 16, I'm going to give it an 11. 11 out of 16. I thought the game was, uh, I kind of appreciated that it was just a grab the power-ups and keep going forward kind of game without having to worry about weapon management. Um, I I thought the controls were very tight. I thought they were very, very well placed on the controllers, the three buttons on the Genesis pad. Um, it's colorful. Uh, the, the music was catchy. I actually really like this as a shoot-em-up. It, it is very hard, so... You know, you do have to put your time into it, but I really enjoyed my enjoyed playing this one, and I, I had never played it before, so it was. I thought it was very good. Okay, Eric. Uh, sorry, Cody. What do you think? Um, I agree with a lot of that. I'm surprised that you say it was very hard because I didn't find it very difficult at all, except for those pinch points. But if you got past those pinch points, it was mm-hmm. not a difficult game, in my opinion. Uh, right. I'm not sure where you got. I got uh, just about... I'm looking at the long play here. Um, I got just about this last boss. I think I I literally died seconds before I got to the final boss. Um, and I only played this three times. Um, so I actually like the difficulty level of it. I just Those pinch points hurt me. I love the colors. I love the feel of the game. I From the second I plugged in and started playing, I was excited. I'm like, this is fun. I'm already having fun. Um, I think I'm actually going to go slightly higher. I'm going to go with 12 out of 16 cyborg bees. Okay. I personally, I, I, I like this game. I appreciate all the graphics, all that sort of stuff. I'm more with Eric, um, is that I found this one, uh, relatively difficult as well. Uh, I guess maybe that shows my skill level of, of playing games, I suppose. Um, but uh, it's one game that I picked up and played and I, I'd sort of like seen this one a, f- a few times, um, you know, quite a few years ago where I sort of, um, you know, just picked it up, played it, had a quick game on it. And obviously that's how I, I knew of it. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a nice, colorful game. Um, it's got a few frustrating points, um, but I th- certainly think that it's, um, you know, not a well-known game on the, on the on the Mega Drive, but something very worthwhile playing. Um, it's definitely a good shooter. Um, I'm going to go with ten on that one out of sixty. 
So we'll just average that in 11 then. Yep. Um, so that's an average of 11. So our next game is Apidia. I'm, surpri- is... I'm surprised that one got, got that, uh, was that low. I thought you guys would like it a little bit more. I'm a little surprised by that, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Um, I, I might... did like it. In fact, I like <clears throat> both of these games. Before we go on, I, I, I have to say of both games, I've, I enjoyed both of these very much. I really like them a lot. Your 11 out of 16 doesn't exude that. Well, I think 11 is <laughs> not a bad score. I think that's not bad. It's a good game. Um, I, I do think just if you got rid of those pinch points uh, mm-hmm. and maybe made the character a little bit smaller, I think I could easily love this game. But those pinch points like just brought everything to a halt every single time I played through it. Yeah, I tended to, like on those worms, like that pinch point, I tended to just fly above them and hope for the best, like trying to clear my way with my whatever weapons and upgraded weapons I had. I didn't try to duck down and blow them up except for the very first ones. The rest I just like, I'm just going to keep going. Yep. Well, and that's what I tried to do. There's that pinch point and then the other one with the the mushrooms. I went the, the easier route and hoped I would make it through and... When I didn't, I pretty much lost all my continues and died over and over and over again. And the few times I did make it through, I was able to get to, to almost to the end boss. So, right, it's interesting. But Apidia on the Amiga. All right, Apidia on the Amiga. Developer is Kaiko. Publisher Playbite. The designer is Peter Theoroff. And one thing I found pretty interesting is the composer for the music was Chris Huselbeck, which is a very well-known music composer. Yep. Um, the platform, uh, this was only on the Amiga. Only on the Amiga. Amiga. Um, the release was 1992, shoot 'em up, single player and two player cooperative and two player alternating, which I found pretty interesting. I didn't get a chance to play it two player. No. Um, that is it for the dry information. Now, right off the bat, I'm going to ask a question that I'm hoping you guys can answer for me. And this is it right here. This is mm-hmm. the title screen. Yeah. Apidia, and it says something in Japanese, and then it has mm-hmm. two. Is this yep. a sequel to something? Do you, do you want Do you want me to ha- Do you want me to take this? Please do. You Please take do. It. So the developers of the game, uh, Peter Theerhoff and Frank Matsuki, I think it is, were both fans of um, the Japanese style and artwork. So they decided to make this in a similar vein, to the point of giving the game a Japanese kanji title in the game and also with two on the logo to suggest it's a follow-up this was nothing more <laughs> than a nod to the japanese style and is not actually a sequel <laughs> to those scallywags <laughs> <laughs> so the background of the game um is played out um in the intro um, which is a really really nice sort of like um anime manga style um intro um and at the start of the game if you don't press the button you get the title screen and basically there's a bad guy called hexa um he has sent the dark hordes forth to kidnap our hero's wife called yuri and you must defeat all the enemies and take yuri back from the clutches of the dark the evil dark magician so that's sort of like yeah, and- the, the background of the game and it's 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 funny really because this game makes so many mentions 
um, as in, you know, cues to all the, 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 the Japanese style. Um, but in a lot of the packaging and the explanations on the actual physical boxes, um, there's none of that. So you kind of like, you get very confused when you first see this game of like, well, I've seen the box. It's got like no relation to that. Um, and then you see the game and like you say, that, that two in there is, is very misleading. Um, but it I, is it's all intentional, you know, all the, all, all of these little, little things. And even just in the gameplay itself, you look at the game and you see the nods to again, like s- similar to Insector X where you've got the, the Gradius style, you know, you've got your power ups along the bottom of the screen. Um, and the way you select them, the way the weapon mechanics work, where you've got like the, hold the fire button down to get the the big laser shot um those kind of things it's it's got kind of got a big nod to the to the japanese style um shooters exactly and like uh, so when you're when you're playing this game you are it's a horizontal shooter of course and when you are flying around you hit enemies and they will sometimes turn into little red flowers and you grab the red flower and it moves your gradius style weapon menu down at the bottom one increment and then the way i had it mapped and this is all configurable in the menu which i found pretty pretty cool and i did take advantage of it is you can configure your controller to either auto do up like auto upgrade or you hit the button to upgrade which i that's what i wanted to do so when you hit a flower it moves your menu up one and you select whatever power up you want at the time um so, you know, the first one is always speed up. So you want to, you want kind of, I always got to grab that early so I could dodge enemies. And then you just pick and choose whatever weapons you want to upgrade at whatever time you want to upgrade them. Do you want me to run through uh, the weapons? Sure, please. So you've got speed up, bomb, lightning, plasma pulse, drone, uh, which is a, um, another little um, insect that you can um, have a, a buzzing around you. Um, and the, that's the, um, the two-player co-op aspect of that. That's where that comes in. So when you've got the drone, the second player can control the drone um, and deflect shots from you. I think it can take up to five hits and then you lose the drone. Um, where was I? Uh, where are those? Oh, yeah. Drone. Uh, so you get the shield, which is very, very useful in this game. Um, and you've even got a speed down. So if you, um, you know, get speed up, which is your first um, collectible. Um, so you can also slow yourself down if, if needs be. Yeah. And I, I um, if it re- you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but if I remember right, when you die, you don't lose all your power ups. You just lose if you get multiple of something. Like let's say you get three of the of the of the bombs, you just lose one increment on that bomb. Is that right? Mm, I thought you lost all your weapons. I must admit. I Did feel, you lose? I a, feel like you lost everything. <laughs> you lost everything. Maybe I'm thinking about the other game. Like yeah. I know one, you didn't lose everything. I think you that was in Sector back. X. That might have been the other game. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's it's also got some um, interesting options. So this one takes advantage of because of the the weapon select. It takes advantage, like Eric said, of uh, you've got the auto select, but also mm-hmm. this game. Uh, will um, allow you to use 
uh, game pads. So anything with more than one button, which is a nice option that's selectable in the menu. Um, so you can use uh, the second button on the gamepad to use the weapon select because if you do go manual select with a normal joystick you've got to reach across and press the space bar which on this game you do that you're no. gonna die <laughs> you're gonna die yeah there's no way uh, so the so the auto weapon select if you're just using a normal joystick is is a good thing um and it you know i think a lot of people will probably have uh, even at the time probably just uh, got themselves a, a stick with two buttons or a gamepad or something like that plugged in a master system pad or whatever um and and just played it through that um uh, you know this this is just one of the all-time best amiga games i think is just a stunning piece of work the graphics uh, the music by Chris Holzbeck is just fantastic. Um, you know, the, it's just, yeah, exactly. It just, it just runs through your mind, doesn't it? It's just, just brilliant. And they even did orchest full orchestral arrangements of this music, um, in, in concerts in the, in the, in the mid 2000s, I think. Um, Cody, you've been quiet on this one so far. Let, let, let's hear some thoughts from you. Well, it's partly because I had to run off and go to the bathroom, but I'm back. Um, <laughs> there is a build-up weapon, by the way. I wanted to mention that. If you hold the button down and you let go, there is a build-up button that shoots yes. like a large projectile across the screen. And it's weird. It looks like a snail shell almost. Um, it does, yeah. And that is vital to this game. So I'll say a number of things about this. First of all, um, the, start, the, the thing that strikes you instantly about this game is it's gorgeous. Um, it is. And the music what? is fantastic. Uh, music's fantastic. Instantly catchy. I was already just whistling it because I see it and I hear it. Um, and it, uh, I love that about it. Uh, it's, it's it's funny. It's another Euro shmup. This one's even more Euro shmup than the previous one. And right there, you see it still has enemies that come from behind you. Gosh darn it. Um, but this game... Uh, and I will say, since it's a Euro shmup, the, the biggest issue for me in this game... Uh, one of the biggest issues. It's got these 3D looking like grounds. Like right now, you can see the ground is mm -hmm. tallish, but you can crash into the ground. But it's not when you hit the first pixel of the ground. There's like a magic floor in there. You just have to learn. Yeah, and that goes back to what you and I can't stand, Tim, which is the game should be about trying to dodge enemies and stuff. It shouldn't be my job to decide for that B how close it gets to the ground without hitting it, especially if I can't tell where that is. Yeah. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust my B character to not run into the ground. If I press down, great. Um, for example, right now we're here in, in stage two, which is this really cool water, like half water pond looking level. That flower right there, you're seeing a flower go by. It's like a lily. Do you hit it? Is that part of the exactly. background? Yeah. I yeah. have no idea if I can hit that. Turns out you can't. I had to die to learn that. Yeah. Uh, further on this level, right there, there's a flower. Can you hit that? Sure, you can hit that flower, just not the first flower. Yeah, like that stuff drives me nuts. They did not do a good job of differentiating what you can hit, what you can't. But look at this. This is gorgeous. Um, I love that all the insects. They're kind of really niche insects. It's not just like a ladybug and a prey mantis. Um, there's these really kind of crazy cicadas and like whatever this water bug is here. And there's like uh, water boatmen or, or the um, Ormen, whatever bugs you call those that live in the water, and then the fish that pop up are sicklebacks. Like I, I'm a nerd for this old science stuff. That growing up as a kid, I read through all these books, like National Geographic for kids books, and learned all these animals. 
um, the fish that comes at you is a pike. Um, and uh, it's just cool how much detail. That's a little, like, uh, pond flea. I mean, th- these aren't everyday insects. They got really into, like, the uh, the anatomy of these crazy, bizarre animals. Um, I really appreciated that. Uh, it controlled very well. I love that you can hold down a button and build up a, a shot and shoot that. Um, it's definitely a game that you have to learn what's coming and memorize it. Um, it is not a game that you can rely on reaction times. In fact, there's a fight against this pike coming up, the the boss of this level, where out of nowhere, he just there's no way you could avoid it unless you knew it was coming. He just dodges straight at you. Um, in fact, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, here's the pike. Look at this guy. It's huge. It's almost like R-Type. The pike is so big, it's like a almost like a starship from R-Type, where you have to avoid it going under in it and shooting the little snails that shoot af- at you off of the pike that are attached to the pike. Um, let me see if I can show you this part where the where the thing just shoots at you. Oh, they, that must have been right there. Was that it? Here you go. Watch this. If you weren't right in that tiny little spot underneath his mouth and you didn't know that was coming, you wouldn't avoid that. You can't avoid that. Um, I don't know. I just keep gushing about the way it looks and the gameplay is so-so. The biggest thing for me, I've played this knowing that it was considered one of the best Amiga titles for a long time. I have played this game four different times. and Every time it was so difficult, I just hated it. Yeah. Um, I could, I know, the first time I played it, I couldn't get anywhere. Eventually, I, I put literally an hour or two into it to try to beat the first level, and I finally beat it once. Um, my suggestion is to enjoy this game, you have to take it off the normal difficulty and go down a level to easy, where the Euro shmupness of the game kind of gets reduced. Uh, the enemies take less hits. It becomes right. more fun. It becomes more doable. You get to see more of the game. Like, look at this cool dead rat in the sewer. I mean, it's so cool. Look, look at maggots. <laughs> Isn't it? Maggots. Wow. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, beautiful dead rat with maggots that pop out of it. Yeah. But, oh, my gosh. Like, hey, so if I could make yeah. a little side note here. So in my personal notes when I was taking, when I was playing this, I wrote that you don't lose all your power-ups when you die. And so I just pulled up the manual and it says losing a life does not get rid of all the power-ups yeah. you have collected either. A nice touch, especially considering the toughness of the enemies thrown against you. Okay. So I think what happens is you get reduced down to either the the single power-up or or you lose one. I don't remember exactly what that is, but I I did remember that that was one nice touch in Apidia because it was so tough that you didn't lose everything. You you it just reduced it. So if you wouldn't got like the speed up four times, you just lose cer- a certain number of those, but not all of them. I think it's gotcha. maybe because it's mostly academic because you just die so often anyway. That's right. You just gonna, <laughs> that, that is you correct. never get a real chance to build up a huge amount of weaponry. Um, that's that's probably my biggest frustration with this game. It is beautiful. Right. It's amazing to look at but very rarely do you actually see any more than the first couple of levels. (laughs) I didn't get past the second boss on this game. I'll be honest with you. And I did on, I did on the sector X. Yeah. Super hard. There is a practice, um, mode on it. So you can do that. Um, I, I openly, I hold up my hands. Um, I had to use a a trained version of this game to get kind of even remotely into it. Um, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I didn't even know there was one. (laughs) Yeah. There's, um, uh, W8. Well, the, 
uh, I think it was the one I was using was the uh, Aeroc beer edition. Um, and you can use, there's trainers on that one that you can turn on and off. Oh, nice. Um, I have to look that up. The problem with that is on my CD32, I don't know whether it's just that version or whether it's my CD32, but the game would bug. Um, it would, the graphics would all corrupt. So I could only use like the uh, lower third of the screen. If I went up after about sort of like um, five minutes into the game, it would just, all the graphics would corrupt. I've not, not had any issues on another game on the CD, on my CD32. Um, but, um, so I eventually had to switch over to the A1200 and use WHD load. And for that one, I couldn't use the, the trainer on it. Um, so I, I was sort of like flicking between the two. Um, it's, it's super, super hard. Uh, but I forgive it because it is just such a beautiful game and, you know, a technical tour de force for the Amiga is just, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those games where it's just got a bit of everything, I think. Um, and the only thing that I really wish that they didn't have is that um, top and bottom death on the on the on the screen. That just adds too much of an extra frustration for me. Um, I, right. I just don't think it was needed. The game's hard enough as it is. I used that new arcade stick on this game, and I played it specifically on the Mister so that I could use that arcade stick. And I I um mapped the second button on there so that I could pick the power-ups myself. Yeah. But playing with an arcade stick just opened this game wide open for me. I mean, I, I really enjoyed playing it, even though it was tough. Um, like I said, I didn't get past the second boss, but I, I enjoyed it every time I played it. I, I really enjoyed it, especially the music. I mean, the music is very catchy. Um, yeah. So I had a blast with it. So reviews on this one um uh very very well received as you can imagine um there was two two kind of versions released uh, the game was very much the same uh but it was originally released by blue bite um and it had a lovely um uh big box release uh, which came out in germany um and that um got reviewed and then a bit later when it was released by team 17 as a, a budget title of all things um <laughs> that got re-reviewed uh but basically um amiga format which was kind of like the the go-to magazine over here at the time they gave it their highest high praise of um an amiga format gold uh with a score of 90 percent on the first review and i think it just pipped another percentage or later on probably because of the price um so that got 91 percent um over here it is um like i say it's it's quite rare to find a copy of it because it came out quite late in the amiga life cycle um the uh, team 17 version um you they tend to go between 30 to 45 pounds uh, for a full box one loose discs you can pick up for around about 10 pound 15 pound for a set but the original um blue bite release the big box which has got sort of like the 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 manga style artwork on it um that i have seen a copy sealed in its box for around about 800 dollars. wow Oof. Yeah. <laughs> so that one is quite rare. I'm, I must admit, I've I've never never seen a, a full big boxed version of it myself in the flesh. Um, and I know that they do fetch a fair price. Um, so, what do you think, guys? 
Should we rate this one? Yep. Out of 16 cyborg bees. Uh, let's let you go first this time, Tim. Let's okay. go in reverse order. Um, I'm going to go with 14 on this one. I would have given it pretty much top marks, but for the difficulty and also the, the, the top and the bottom deaths on this. But, you know, it is super, super hard. But I think most people go into this game knowing that anyway, um, because it's, you know, its reputation precedes it. Um, so it's it's just a nice game to just load up and play. Um, and even if you do get a bit frustrated with it, it's still, you know, I, I still forgive it that because it's just such a nice game. So, yeah. 14 out of 16 for me. I'm kind of waffling on my decision on this one. Um, for me, it is very Euro shmuppy, which unfortunately I do consider kind of a negative thing. I l- absolutely love the art, music, everything visually about this game. Um, every time I wanted to see more and more of it, it was just so hard to see more and more of it. <laughs> um the fact that uh, on standard difficulty starting the game, I mean, I it, just to pass the first level was near impossible. Yes, when I dropped the difficulty down, I was able to play it, and that felt like the correct difficulty. Uh, it was still hard. It was still it took a few passes to get kind of past the third level, but um, ultimately, I the music is. I have I have so many good things to say about it, but none of them have to do with playing the game itself. And to me, that gameplay is king, so it's hard for me to do anything except give this a tie at 12 out of 16. Okay. Is that what you're doing, 12? Yep. Okay. I'm going to pretty much agree with you. I, I thought everything about this game was excellent. The uh, Everything except the gameplay. Um, I think that the graphics are beautiful. The music is beautiful. I love the upgrade system. I got so used to that. I'm sitting there like you know, hitting that second button when I got something, I didn't even have to think about it. I didn't even have to look at the bar. I knew in my mind how many power-ups I was in and could just slap that button. And now I got this and that loving the game Two pun. I, I, I didn't get to see the majority of the game because I couldn't pass the second level. Mm-hmm. That to me is, is a problem. It's not that that is a defect in the game to me. And yeah, a great game player can take this game and say, I enjoy it and I can play through it and I can go on YouTube and look how impressive I am. But I can't do it. I can't get past the second level. Um, and it cut into my enjoyment. Whereas in Sector X, I kind of felt like every time I played it, I got better. I mean, I, I got better at it and I could go further and I could go further. And I think after a couple more weeks, I think I could probably get to the end of the game. And so in that aspect, I kind of see what Cody said. I kind of see that he said, you know, the game, he thought the game was easier. I don't think it was easy. I thought Insector X was hard, but I think I got better every time I played. Epidia, I'm at a wall. I don't think I could get any better. And I didn't downgrade the, the, the difficulty. I hit a wall with that second boss. I can't get any further. I don't think I could, no matter how much I played. And so I'm going to give this a game... Because it's excellent in every other way, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 16. Okay. Cyborg bees. Okay. So 10, 12, and 14 puts that right at a 12, which gives it the edge over the 11, which we gave Apidia. 
I'm sorry, which we gave uh, Insector X. So Apidia would be our winner. Apidia is the winner. I, I can deal with that, even though I my personal winner is Insector X. But I'm gonna uh, I'm I bow. They're both really a lot of fun. So you, everyone's a winner. Wins by a stinger. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I just think uh, you know out, out of the two games, you can. I completely agree with you, Eric. Insector X is one that you can pick up, play, and you can progress. You've got that progression in it. Um, Apidia is maybe I'm looking at it in maybe more of a technical aspect and and looking at mm-hmm. that side of the game with it and knowing you know what they've put into into it to get what they did out of the Amiga and especially since this will run on any Amiga it's not yeah. it doesn't require any expansions it doesn't it's just a couple of discs um so yeah it's it's just you know i, I guess maybe yeah. that's that's my take on it is i look at the not just at the game um, but i look at the overall package i guess um so yeah if you if you just take it on the game absolutely in sector x um you know for for the progression that you can do the the look and the feel and the way it plays um is should be the winner but for me personally uh looking at the knowing what you can do and what you can't do with the amiga and all that sort of stuff i'm, I'm just amazed at what they did with the pidia and i'm right Sounds in the middle <laughs> cool and that is an episode of pixel guide in january mm-hmm. is wrapped up um Cool. Uh, looking forward, guys. Do we have any ideas for six good games or Battle of the Systems? I had one idea, but um, Eric, you, you you rarely have something to say on this one. Do you have anything you could throw out no, there? No, because usually by the end of the show, I'm I'm mentally exhausted and I have to think about it for a couple <laughs> of days. So that's why I really I don't I really don't have any good ideas right at the moment. So I'm I'm open to suggestions. Well, keep in mind, Tim. This time you, next month, uh, we're gonna flip it up and you're gonna join us for six good games. Yep. So when we pick that segment, you'll be involved in that. So given your track record, you're probably gonna pick something punishing and terrible for Battle of the Systems for us. <laughs> you don't have to do it. Uh, like Christmas games. Um, I did have an idea uh, that I wanted to put forth for at least the battle um which i wanted to kind of play the uh the the battle i was thinking of as the best of the eight bits meaning kind of the last game the the highest technical achievement on a game for a given system and for uh the commodore 64 people consider monsters and mayhem or monster mayhem what is it called Monsterland. i was exactly May- there you, you go. said that i was thinking yeah let, let's go mayhem in Monsterland. creatures as well that was quite creatures 2 was quite late in the development which is a good one um but yeah mayhem in Monsterland is is a good one so i was thinking mayhem and Monsterland, and one of the last games and uh i have not actually played it um but i've heard it's very technically impressive on the nes which was kind of the Micro versus console war would be Mr. Gimmick on the yeah, NES. I've never heard of that, so that'd be interesting to me personally. It's supposed to be technically amazing, kind of like a Pidia, but very hard, kind of like a Pidia. So I'm curious. I think it'd be a fun one to to throw down. Cool. You want to lock that in? Lock, in lock that in right now. And then Tim, since you're involved in six good games, let's see what you and Eric can come up with for a topic. <laughs> okay. No worries. Cool. Yeah, awesome. Just take that offline the next couple of days. We'll figure it out and we'll start playing them. Yep. You know it. Thus endeth our show. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Tim, for waking up early. 
Thank you, Eric, for staying up late. (laughs) (laughs) And until next time, everybody, it's it's dangerous dangerous to go go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>